Hey guys, this is Jim Fix, a.k.a. Fillmore. For those of you who love QF, a podcast about Howard Stern and would like to donate some money, there's two ways now you can do it. Uh, you can join our Patreon page, which is listed in the graphic you're seeing now. But also, if you'd rather not do a subscription-based thing, even if it's a buck a month or what have you, uh, you can use our PayPal account, which would be jimfix76 at gmail.com. Uh, and you can donate whatever you like, however you like, uh, one of those two ways, and we'd more than appreciate it if you'd like to do so. Thank you very much. First of all, the nerve of your fucking ass to call me and tell me your fucking problem. It's not my... Fuck off. Get lost. Get off. Take your stupid subscription and cancel. Who cares, Dina? Fuck you. Fuck you, cunt. Fuck you. Get lost. Don't do my audience. I'll do my audience whatever I want. I'll piss on this audience if I I do have uh, issues about people leaving me. I want to control everyone in my atmosphere. I want, I am a puppet master and I want everyone to be a puppet. He was saying goodbye to me and he leaned in for a kiss and I smiled so big that he literally kissed my teeth. Um, I cheated on every one of my boyfriends except for Howard. For real? Mm-hmm. Really? The day I met Howard, my cheating days ended. You were a cheater? I was a cheater. I hate Beth. I think she's only after Howard's money and she's, <laughs> and she's a real horse face. Can you bang any of those stripper broads on the, uh, on the show? Teresa Lynn said you banged up. Teresa who? She was on here. She told she was in your movie, Private Parts. Oh, Amy. Of the, no, no, no. Teresa, the, the one with the... Oh, no. The little ass little bitch. She, she never said that. She told That's me. That's a lie. Oh. To admit you're lying. That's Tony. She called Tony. Did I ever bang Teresa Lynn? Taking New Jersey. Welcome to the wrap-up Which, show. Does any of you gentlemen believe that Beth actually loves Howard? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's cut right to the nitty-gritty. Artie and I spent last weekend with him, and if she's in love, then she should get a fucking Oscar. If she's not in love, she should get If she's in love, she should get an Oscar. Oh, <laughs> Artie and Slim. <laughs> See? Uh-oh, here comes Beth. Howard is Beth. Howard is Beth. I'm knitting baby booties. <laughs> what are you doing, uh, Beth? I'm knitting baby booties. <laughs> I could just see our blonde, our blonde curly-haired son. At least you don't have to pretend your dog is actually a child. <laughs> Beth once even said to me, it was funny, too, because Beth once said to me, you know, I wouldn't mind being engaged forever. Like, like this was, you know, years ago. Was, I just think the ring is so great. I would uh -huh. love to, you know. It's romantic. And, and it's romantic, yeah. and it's kind of cool. But the second... I uh, popped the question. She was like, well, let's get on the phone and tell everyone we're getting married. I went, whoa, whoa. Yeah. no, 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 we're not getting married. We're engaged. <laughs> There's no such thing. You know what it is? I'm so self-important. I just don't even remember meeting anyone. She was up here one day and I introduced you. Oh, yeah? Yeah. So I'm, cured. I'm not going to be cured of anything. I am me. I am just going to a psychiatrist so that I can feel better about certain issues in my life. That's all. Hey guys, this is a special edition of QF, a podcast about Howard Stern. I'm your host Jim Fix, aka Fillmore, and with me once again is Carrie, back from the back from the uh, his mothballed uh, <laughs> hiatus. How you doing? Yeah, fresh out of the box of mothballs. So I'm doing fine. It's good to be back. Yeah, we're so we're doing a special episode on marbles, and um, uh, right about now I'm going to throw an insert of a reading. From C.A. Thompson, who did such a great job trying to break down predictions. I asked a lot of people from the QF group um, what she thought people would uh, were making at different times. And at one point, 
she uh, just explains how she feels like, for example, in from when hey, Casey got hired, he was making between 50 and 75, which you would think is a good guess. You think a producer, because he was not hired as an intern. He was hired straight off the bat as, as an associate producer for one of the biggest radio shows in New York City. With apologies to C.A. Thompson, when we started the recording, I had uh, a thought we were recording and didn't press record. And then I had read out the her wonderful write-up what happened was, uh, back, back in January, I had the idea to do this show that originally I was not going to do, this show, this particular theme about marbles, because I didn't want it to be purely speculative, but then I realized we do have documents that illustrate exactly how much Howard and the staff are getting point, getting paid, rather, and then also uh, we have audio from the show itself and from other shows that I've collected over the years that give you an idea of exactly how little or how much they're getting paid. And there have always, always been hints, and one of the best places was the wrap-up show. But either way, I asked a bunch of uh, QFers, all on our Facebook site, uh, privately, to just give me an idea of what they thought people were making. And hers was probably the best, and because she, she put the most work into it. And so, I mean, this is a smart gal. The subject of salaries at Stern is an interesting one. Over the years, we've heard bits of, and pieces of contract ne negotiations and fights over who should be making what. One thing that has always been clear to me is that Howard undervalues the work of his staff. By staff, I mean everyone except for Robin and Fred, and seems to keep many of them underpaid with the understanding that he will need them to do uh, side jobs, which he can then mock them for on air. Howard operates with the same uncaring maliciousness as a restaurant owner who doesn't pay his staff an hourly wage and thinks he is doing them a favor by telling them they can keep their tips. I'm sure that I am way off, but there, here are my yearly wage guesses set in a couple of year spans. So the, her first guess is from 1995 to 2000-ish. She has Robin at 250K, Fred at 200, uh, Jackie at 200, Gary at 100, Ralph at between 50 and 75. And she continues... I think that before private parts, Gary was making in the fifty-five dollars to $75,000 range and that he was able to push for a wage that better reflected what he was actually doing for the show at that time. Robin has always made more than any of the other staff members, which is so absurd as she literally does nothing but cackle and be a yes woman for Howard. All of her news stories are cut and pasted by other people. She does not stay for meetings and has never participated in the creative side of things. She's being paid a quote-unquote token fee. Uh, yeah. I, I agree with a lot of that, and uh, the reason why I'm not going to expound too much on this is because I want to get the reading out, and then Carrie and I are going to address some of the numbers when we record. 2000-ish, um, too serious. Robin, 350K. Fred, 250K. Jackie, 250K. Last salary before the contract blow up. Gary, 200K. Scott, 150K. Jason, 150K. John Hine, 150K. Ralph, 75 to 100K. KC, 50K to 75. Uh, JD, 50. Richard and Sal, 55 each. The salary I guessed for Jason is the one I think he stepped into once it became apparent that he was actually capable of running the office as good 
as, if not better than Gary. Jason and Will must have started around 50,000-ish as they had to squat together in a flat to survive. Both Jason and Will seem to have leapt forward, seem to have leapt for, from that into more comfortable lives fairly quickly. Casey was used and abused by Howard. He should have been paid more than he what he was, but Howard knew he would continue to pull go, good radio from watching him struggle and spiral. I think that John Hine was offered a decent contract, starting at around 150,000, and that included bringing the quote jump the shark brand with him and Howard fluffing him for other things that John wanted to pursue books TV shows etc I can't see John accepting anything under 150,000 especially without a few tempting treats being included given that he made a decent payday off of jump the shark John bringing JTS to the show was an explicit move on Howard's part to hip the show a bit you know to demonstrate that he knows what the kids are into basically he jumped the shark with jump the shark uh, I agree with uh, that, especially the John Hines stuff, uh, because he is a Buckwald client that I know of, that I'm, I'm pretty sure. And also, he was fr- he became friends with Gary, and I'm sure that didn't uh, hurt to him getting the job to begin with. Now, it's serious, not including so- guesses about signing bonuses, which is amazing, because Gary uh, uh, and I both uh, discussed the signing bonuses, which we have no way of knowing what they are uh, at that time. Sirius, Robin, 1.5 to 2 million. Fred, 1 to 1.5 million. Gary, 750,000. John Hine, 250. Ronnie, 200. Scott, 200. Jason, 200. JD, 150. Richard and Sal, 100 each. Ralph, 100 to 150,000. I think that Scott's salary remained fairly frozen over the last 10 years of him being there. His union would have required him there to be some increase, but Howard would not have moved far beyond that. Given the rumors floating around the last few weeks, I would not be surprised if Jason's salary is closer to Gary's, especially given the rumor that he is now Gary in rank. Ralph's wage reflects his silence and not work that he actually does. Zero doubt that he is paid handsomely to swallow and not tell. So, thank you so much, C.A. Thompson. We love you. Another person who did really well for us it, and put a lot of work into it was um, Deborah Marshall, who will soon be a contributor on QF, and she's another smart cookie. And she's got some amazing sort of, um, uh, how can I say, parallel connections to the Stern Show in different weird ways. And uh, she'll, I'm sure she'll be more than happy to talk about that when she gets her mic all set up and then we start talking with her on a regular basis. At any rate, I asked her to do the same kind of homework. And um, this is what she talked about. I am sure Bowie makes high six figures, Fred seven figures, and Robin seven. That house of hers in Staten Island was sold, was sold years ago. Since then, she bought a place in West Orange, New Jersey called Llewellyn Park, the site of Edison's laboratory. And uh, the new place is on, it's called 17 Linwood Way. That's the, the address in West Orange, New Jersey. Was still way too much for a single person, but whatever it's she uh deborah says she still owns a place on the jersey shore which is six long beach boulevard it's um kind of narrow and it has a dock that's where she'll keep her boat if she still goes on it to sum up she owned a fabulous apartment for in new york city for years and sold it to live on staten island with tony aka mr x she bought a place on staten island and the jersey shore sold the beach house to upgrade to the one i just sent to you 
owned another New York City apartment. I'm not sure if she sold that, but she did buy the house in West Orange. I have a friend who did the cable TV installation there. I think Gary's been making six figures forever. He bought a million-dollar-plus home in Greenwich, Connecticut, which is the most exclusive enclave in the state. Fred owns an apartment in New York City and a house in the Hamptons. I think that Rob and Fred and Gary are well off, with Robin having the most money followed by Fred. Remember, their salaries and worth to the show were solidified in the early 90s, and they stuck with him through all the others who have come and gone. Now, yes, he is a cheap fuck, but I think he realized his success was a result of their input. Mocking Gary mercilessly, Robin serving as his audience and giving him license to be racist his racist self, and Fred for knowing when to keep his mouth shut and doing all the behind-the-scenes work. Fred dates back to 1979 with him. Keep in mind, Robin dumped that house in Staten Island about 12 years ago. Fred's wife is a successful NYC realtor where commissions top six figures alone. Now, Deborah, when you say realtor, I'm not sure you're not just talking about her flipping houses to make money. And I, I do have a couple friends that have been trying that, doing that regularly, but at some point they're going to be stuck with a house they can't flip. And then you're in you're, you're really kind of stuck. You're not making that income, especially when there's a market shortage, when there's a market burst, uh, there's a bubble that's no longer uh, there anymore. And all of a sudden that your plan to flip is gone up in smoke and um, you may be stuck with a, a bit of a lemon in terms of houses. Um, so I, I think when you say realtor, I have to, I would definitely love to talk to you a bit more about that because as far as I know, she's just a, a mom, basically a failed actress, a show fucking sycophant that married a, a useless alien. Now I say useless. I'm being a little hard on Fred. He did have a purpose at one point, but now he's just, you know, obviously he's not doing anything. Um, he's the hardest one to figure out money wise for me, says Deborah, but owning an apartment in New York city and a house in the Hamptons plus assorted motorcycle motorcycles leads me to think that despite him wearing white t-shirts and jeans every day, he's doing very well. Uh, remember that the accidental viewing of the paycheck, this is the Artie Art Gary thing was 15 years ago. So any salary you think about has to be in that context. Howard had been making a million since at least 1995 and as Carrie and I will tell you, it's a lot more than that. Um, None of the staff are in their 20s working at a startup. Jackie's final offering from Tom in 2001 was either... 2000, she's incorrect, but that's okay, she's close. Was either 600K or 800K, and that's 20 years ago. When people talk about Wiggy, how he feels responsible for the staff and their livelihoods, he is 66, they're in their 40s at this point. Plus, he is full of it anyway, and he didn't care about letting the entire news team go or Howard TV. Um, he made sure that Robin was financially satisfied, but only because he needed her. Maybe Fred on a peripheral level, but as long as it furthered his career. Robin had tons of money in the early 90s and just got wealthier. And what would you have thought, Carrie, that he was making at the time? I mean, you know, we're still talking, you know, there's no place with a higher cost of living Mm -hmm. than, you know, than New York City. Um, yes. I mean, the only thing close is San Francisco. And, uh, you know, I lived there in the late 90s as an attorney and mm-hmm. almost starved to death. So, <laughs> I mean, literally. <laughs> and, you know, I, 50 to 75 around that time, I, I guess as cheap as 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 Wiggy is, um, I don't think it's that far off the mark, but it's not much. And no. Yeah, and 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 you would think that he would only be able to supplement or make anything, uh, any 
any way to, to, to live off of and to support his drug habit by, by doing outside projects. Well, in, in, well, in case of his addictions, I think it was booze, not drugs for, for KC, but you're right. And he also had a bad gambling addiction, um, but he was desperate. I mean, the, the legendary stories on the show of him, uh, having to fucking write bad checks to his landlord, um, (laughs) you know, having to repossess his car. Like he stole his car back from the lot, uh, after it had been impounded or something like that. I can't remember exactly. Right, uh, right. Well, I, and I was going to say this, the lawyer in me is coming out all allegedly with regard to the drinking, uh, the alcohol, drug and or gambling addiction stories, allegedly. <laughs> well, accor- well, accor- yeah, but according to according to um, the uh, the Reddit mole, it was it was absolutely true. He was drinking like a, so much vodka daily and it was affecting him at work and he started cutting himself. It was really a horrible scene near the end. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and then I think, you know, someone caught up with him uh, later, like when, in California, and it still didn't seem like he was doing all that great. But no. I mean, I, I I hope he is. I mean, I always liked Casey. I thought he was, I thought he was pretty funny on the show. Me but, too. Uh, yeah, yeah, I hope he's doing better. But y- yeah, the, you know, the point is, even if it was 75,000 in New York City in the mid to late 90s, that's still not that much. And then you add on those vices. That's nothing. That's zero. That's right. And then they brought up like how he could supplement his income and talking about the years when they would be uh, hosting a car wash or doing whatever. And it's like, there's no comparison guys. You guys are a, an established million mil, multi-million bull, billing show and making all kinds of money. But this is what he said to our buddy, Jay Santiago on his turnbuckle tabloid show. So here's a shameless plug. Um, Casey was booked. He, he needed money at the time because uh, apparently he wasn't making enough, which can you just say quickly, if, if it's not embarrassing, what was the most that you made on that show? Okay. So, so what I made from, uh, infinity broadcasting wasn't a lot. I mean, they hired me at 23,000. Wow. Which, uh, really? You know, but, but with, uh, you know, with benefits, you know, and, and, and all that, but, uh, Two percent every year of that is two percent of nothing. So what I had to do is, and that's what everybody, all the other guys had to do too, was every weekend you go out and and you have to you have to hustle. So right. for two years straight, uh, I would go out. Uh, two years straight, I'd either do stand up or an, or an appearance every weekend, and then I hooked up a, a couple endorsement deals with uh, Twin Lab and Metrex. So uh, so towards the end, I was I was doing okay. So. <laughs> You basically, he he's saying twenty three thousand a year, twenty three thousand. Like, yeah, I mean, you know, base salary. But but that's funny that he brought up the the met the metarex or whatever that stuff was. But yeah, I remember, I do remember that he was doing that weightlifting uh, uh, stuff, you know, supplements and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So I wonder how lucrative that was. Well, yeah, I mean, so like they the what people. Again, we're going to go through, I have everything bookmarked. I have a bunch of uh, like abstracts, that, um, not abstracts, but uh, screen caps that I'm going to uh, play for people. I got lots of clips. And the Jackie stuff is the most kind of damning, although Stuttering John has made some points. And we'll go through all of them as well. But what are your thoughts on the salaries over the years? The two that we're really not sure of, of course, is Wiggies, aside from the first series contract and before. And then also um, Robin's salary. Those are the two most nebulous ones. Right, right, and and like you said, the 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 lawsuit uh, over the the you know fake bonuses that <laughs> that Wiggy was going after after that after the merger, mm-hmm. those were 
you know, that was the window that, uh, you know, Wiggy just hated that was there that we could look through was, you know, because of stuff, because lawsuits are public record. So that's right. You know, we, you know, we were able to, to get a glimpse. And like I said, you know, he hated that. Uh, but that's, that's the best, uh, you know, that we, and, and the most recent, quite honestly, um, mm-hmm. that, that we can go off of as far as Robin goes outside of little things that she said in her book, none of which were, was that recent. Like you said, the, the, the stuff in her book only related to, uh, uh, you know, when, when she left Washington or when, when I should say Howard left her in Washington. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't, I, I think we still really don't know how much Howard promised her. I mean, I guess we assume that it's more than, um, than what we, than what she got, uh, or what she was offered in Washington, but yeah, you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it's nebulous, but I, I would think that, I guess in the mid nineties, I would say if, if she were, if, uh, KC were making roughly 75,000, uh, you know, she had to have been making close to, I'd say three fifty to half a million. Well, the problem here, and I've talked to Deborah Marshall about this. She, she has a shitload of very high expensive, like high priced real estate. And she right. has for years. Now the question that doesn't that doesn't presuppose we can't presuppose that she's making the money to cover all those houses, but she might be making enough to constantly be paying off mortgages and then just living high off the hog because we know from her own book and her own admission she was a spendthrift. She just couldn't manage money for shit. At around the time of uh, the K Rock move from WNBC, and they got they all got shit canned. This is according to the uh, the Colford book. She, it explains that um, uh, the Robin Quivers incorporated as ROQ Inc. <laughs> Robin Ophelia <laughs> Quivers and was being represented by Buckwald, which was right then after Howard got uh, represented by Buckwald. She signed for a hundred thousand that first year and one hundred and fifty thousand the next, and that's about on par as what she was being offered in Washington with Goff when Howard left, he was going to offer her about 95,000, about 90,000 a year for five years. And she didn't sign it because she had a tickle in her throat for five weeks and the offer was off the table. But, uh, so if she went from 86, a hundred thousand to 87, 150,000, do the math by the end of the nineties, she was probably making closer to a million for sure. Mm. At that rate of increase, anyway, if that's the case. Fred Norris, it says, who had lingered with Al Rosenberg at the afternoon slot at WNBC, followed Howard to K-Rock for 85000 in the first year and 105000 for the second. So not as big an increase, but fairly substantial. Right. And, and I think, you know, you're right about the, the properties that all of them were able to afford. I mean, I, I think, you know, I've seen pictures of Fred's property. We know Robin had a couple of pretty expensive places. So did Artie, you know, but you know, we know Artie famously, I think he took a bath on his, uh, his house in, where was it? Hoboken on the water? Yes. Uh, Tom's river, I think, or that might've been Robin's place, but either way. Yeah. It was, he, he ended up selling it for a loss. Right. And then Robin did too here just recently, right? Her, mm. her primary or her big house, which, yes. you know, 
Yeah, I don't get. I mean, I've I've never understood that, especially someone like her who who isn't in a relationship, doesn't no. have any children. That's you know, right. Yet, yet she has this big house. But it it gets back more to like you said, how much was she making to be able to afford these properties and seemingly not have any problems obtaining them? I mean, she yeah. obviously ran into problems. Uh, uh, holding on to them long term, but uh-huh. uh, you know, but she must have had the, the you know, they they're just not going to give you that type of property if you don't have the income to back it up. Well, not only that, but her Staten Island estate, uh, she was she used to live in Todd Hill, which is the same place um, Big Paul Paul Castellano uh, lived when he was living at what they called the mob <laughs> called the White House. <laughs> it was detailed. Anyway, she took she she got the house for something like 2.5 million and had to unload it for 1.1 million. So she lost a million and a half on fucking real estate. I mean, God only knows what more she lost from it because who knows? Uh, so that was one place. And then in 2012, she sold another, um, I'm not sure if that, I don't think that was the one that she sold because there were a couple of sales. I think she only has one place now, if I'm correct. Right. And, and and it makes you wonder why. I mean, yeah. why sell pro- I mean, you don't buy property to to sell it at a loss. But mm-hmm. but you but she apparently obviously was compelled to mm-hmm. sell it, you know, and and you know, and I I think uh you and I talked about it off air or, or uh when we were uh emailing each other that you know, it was probably health related, you know, when when she got sick. Yes, it was probably most likely health related and also cash flow related, especially if in that second contract, which we know that Wiggy was making, okay, a hundred million. And we'll talk a little bit about the first series contract for sure. The second contract, he definitely was taking less money because as of 2011, sometime in the summer or fall of 2011, he goes to three days a week and that somewhere he's he's definitely making less than 100 million so maybe 90 or 80 and needs AGT to offset it by getting 15 right. million there so right. to me it sounds like if and I know wig there's no way if he's taking a fucking pay cut the rest of the staff isn't as well oh yeah yeah they're all tightening up their their belts <laughs> yeah for sure that's right. So, and the same uh, Colford page, the book, page of the book, this is 156 if you're reading along, folks. Um, they hired uh, Jackie in 1986 for about 35000 a year and 78000 in 1987, apparently. This is, this is what the, uh, there were, like, he was clearly way, paid way less than Robin and Fred. It says, in the, as the years passed, Jackie would gripe to station management about his compensation, pointing out that he had become an indispensable member of the Stern Gang and deserved more. And then in the same, in the same page, it says here, by Howard's own estimate, he used 95% of Jackie's material. Listeners often could hear Howard crumpling one of Jackie's pages and tossing it away. So Jackie clearly was worth more than Robin, but was getting paid way less. Right. And and he's absolutely right. I mean, we can all tell he's no longer there. He hasn't been been for years. Mm-hmm. Um, and heck, you could even tell during the during the Artie era, uh, it, it, it was easier to mask because Artie was there telling his stories and, you know, and, and, and he could just kind of go off with his wit or whatever. And it mm-hmm. masked a lot of it. But since there since. Jackie hasn't been there since Artie hasn't been there. There is no wit. There is no off the cuff, uh, you know, comedic bits. They're just not there. I mean, you you know, 
<laughs> unless you want to count some of the crap that Benji sends, but we all know when it's Benji. You know, it's it's yeah, yeah. There's a there's a complete drop off, and Jackie's a hundred percent right. I mean, he was and is indispensable to that type of show. And for the life of me, I don't understand all the hate, and I don't understand, and it's probably tied into marbles. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't understand why. Wiggy wouldn't see that and wouldn't try to make amends with Jackie and get him back. Well, there's co- there's a couple clips we're going to play where that's concerned, and this is all from '95. So I'll see if I can get this right. Uh, by the way, I'm all the I'm the first one to stick up for anybody on the show who wants more money because I believe that sure. we should get, all get as much as we can. But <laughs> no, I just don't want to get. Yeah, I don't think it should be a salary cap. But you know, I'm all for and I, and I back Jackie up to a point, but I can't get caught up in it. It's not your job to go and negotiate yeah. for him, which you do every year. And I don't think that, I don't think there's any pleasing Jackie. So and he never appreciates it. Right. So I just I don't want to be around it. <laughs> so I'm just saying, you know, give it your best shot and then get out. So at that time in 1995, none of us know. Well, most of us, I, I'm pretty sure most of us didn't know until a certain point that Jackie was negotiated by nobody. He was negotiating himself, and that Fred and Robin were stuck with Buckwald. And having to get whatever Howard threw at them. Now, as an attorney, have you ever come across this kind of thing where, or even like, even in, in legal text where like, okay, individual player agents, players maybe have the same agent, but their salary wouldn't be dictated by the, the whims of the, the biggest client. Well, right. I mean, the, the, the problem, it's really a, for an attorney, it's an ethical issue, mm-hmm. you know? Um, because let, let's say that book, let's say that Buckwald was an attorney. Uh, right. I don't think ethically he could have done what he did with any of them. You're supposed to take on clients and look out for their individual best interests. Mm-hmm. And obviously if you're looking out for the biggest client and then all the rest of them are kind of subsidiary, that's, that's not, you know, what kind of service are you giving the subsidiary clients? I mean, it, it's, it's a clear ethical, ethical issue for an attorney. So mm-hmm. maybe that's why Buckwald isn't one, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, and, and, and it's funny because in, in, um, you know, I've, I actually, I remember taking a class in sports law back when, when I was in law school and they, they talked about this tension with, uh, between being an agent and being an attorney mm-hmm. and some, and, and it's kind of analogous to this situation because we're, we're talking about agents just in the entertainment field versus the sports field, but it's the same, you know, yeah. if, are you an attorney first or are you an agent or are they separate and you're an attorney one day and an agent the next? I mean, me personally, I'm always an attorney first, no matter what. So if I were in this position with Buckwald, I'd, I wouldn't have represented anybody but Howard, you know, sure. in that realm. You know, like I might have had may have had other clients in radio in different places or things like that. But in that stern universe, me personally, ethically, I would have only been comfortable representing one person. You mean you mean at the in the stern compound, for example? Correct. Yeah. Like okay. in that, in, in his, in his universe, like, you know, because the problem is if you have clients with different, you know, where, where their, where their uh, interests start to diverge 
And, mm-hmm. you know, and, that, and that's what happened with, even though Buckwald never represented Jackie, but let's say that he did, it, it would, it would have been a huge issue. Well, yes. And, and it ended up becoming more of an issue than anybody realized. And had they known this, they certainly would have had more, um, venom towards Wiggy than they did and a lot earlier than they did because, and I'll, we'll detail it through, uh, screen caps and, and, and audio guys. So I'm going to play another bit of Jackie from the same negotiation because it's one of the first negotiations. Then we're, then Derek and I are going to, sorry, Derek, Carrie and I are going to read <laughs> Daryl. <Darryl. Darryl>. Yeah. <laughs> Carrie and I are going to take turns reading from the, um, some, some of the abstracts. Jackie burns bridges before he's crossed them. Yeah, I have everyone in management coming to me and going, how do you work with him? I go, what do you mean? They go, not that, you know, we understand a negotiation, but he's repulsive. And I go, really? I go, I don't see that. I I mean, he's an okay guy. They go, no, 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 he's just repulsive. I wonder what he says in these movies. I don't know. But they they get completely fed up and they go, look, that's all we're paying. And then I got to step in. Yeah. And I don't want to do it anymore. I'm tired of it. Do you believe that, that do you see the crazy eyes on the video? You see him shifting, you see him moving. That's why I left the video up and not the audio. You know that this is some bullshit conversation that he's having with himself. Oh, exactly. Exactly. I mean, it's, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's almost, it's a precursor of what, what he's going to do when he gets to serious. I mean, I guess he could ostensibly kind of hide behind, you know, the station itself or the production yep. company back in these days. But, you know, once he gets to Sirius, it's all, we all know or we know now uh, mm-hmm. post lawsuit that, no, that chunk of money went to Howard's production company. So he knows exactly how much everyone makes. But in these days, uh, you know, back in the K-Rock era, you know, he could hide behind all of all of this stuff. But I but I guarantee you he knew through Buckwald exactly what was going on with the negotiations with, with Jackie and everyone else. Oh fuck yes. And at one point I, I have a clip, I think I've got it and we'll play it. At one point, Jack uh uh Bowie explains that he knows what stuttering John makes. And they're saying, well, why does he know? He's the producer. Gary should not know what anybody else makes. That's his, not right. his business. Yet he was made to know it. It was always Howard and Buckwalt. And John, Suttering John, whatever you think of him now, he is a bit of a wet brain, mush mouth asshole, lush. Um, but doesn't mean he was lying about how he was treated by Buckwalt. And same with Jackie. And we've got some stuff that we're going to read about that. But let's continue with Jackie a little bit more. But I don't want to sit there. I don't care really about the money, Howard. How does it work? Because he goes into negotiation. You don't have anything to do with it. No, I, I don't even know he's in negotiation. And I don't find out. Do you get a call or do right. you, he call you or does somebody else call it, you? It depends on the year. I mean, uh-huh. some years Tom has called me first or Jackie calls me first. Uh-huh. Either one. <laughs> so why don't we just do the whole thing on the air? Then? And what does Jackie <laughs> say when he calls? Well, I didn't want to make this call. The last thing you need to be bothered. Of course, we need a bong hit sound effect. <laughs> like, so, so I'm going to go into the uh, fun with negotiations uh, abstract that I, I sent you the um, uh, the Jackie uh, PDFs, right? Yes, those were oh. very illuminating. Oh, big time. So let's see if I can find the exact one. Um, okay. Now, okay. So he said, I was, here's the exp- explanation. He said, once we were on uh, syndicated 
once once they renegotiated once they negotiated with Infinity for the rights to broadcast in L.A., they were on both coasts, and it was just a matter of time before they started picking up more markets. And he said, uh, "I remember after we got syndicated to our first two affiliates in 1986, a healthy amount of pleading got me kicked up to eleven hundred and twenty-five dollars a week from one thousand. That's when I had gotten my first taste of negotiating with Tom Chiasano in the station, and then." Uh, the times when after a very healthy amount of negotiation, we couldn't come to agreement on a contact contract, I'd stay home because that was the only card I had to play. And you'll read this in a few places to make it absolutely clear. I never, ever failed, simply failed to show up for work one morning. Tom Shiasano always knew exactly where we stood and what was going to go down and always shared it with Howard. But come Monday morning and I wasn't in my seat feigning, not being aware of the situation. Howard would say, where's Jackie? He's not showing up today. It was 100% theater every time. It got to the point that when it happened, Robin would say, he's standing you up again? So, and you heard it. I saw you laugh when he he said the, uh, like, I don't know that the negotiations are going on. Right. I don't even know when they're happening. Right. Right. And so... So, and we're going to go a little bit into this as well, guys, because there's another bit of the uh, the abstract that talks about, this is something that from a chapter Jackie didn't include in his book, but he sent it to me. However, I'm, I, feel comf- I feel comfortable reading about it to, to you guys because he's already said this in other interviews. So it's already out there and I'm not really betraying anything. He expl- He was explained to, uh, by, by going to affiliates from town to town, um, he would, uh, when he was doing comedy tours, he would meet with station managers from different places that he was going to promote. And they explained to him that basically it says, uh, the one guy explained to him that the rock bottom price that syndicators had to pay for one year was minimum 250,000 a market. So they said they wouldn't even talk to a station that wasn't prepared to pay that. So on top of that, there were satellite feed costs, performance bonuses, and other additional feeds. And we'll read about that. But to get, so they needed to get 250000 He goes, my salary for 1994-95 was 300000 a year. That's Jackie. And when it was contract talk, he's going up to Tom. And Tom said, I can only give you 337000 with a seven and a half raise the next year. And he wasn't happy. He wanted a hundred thousand. The way Jackie figured it, he wanted one twenty-fifth. If you're figuring, he's the twenty-fifth of the show, and that worked out to ten new markets. You know, two a hundred thousand dollars, one twenty-fifth. And that's what <laughs> you know. What I I would I was curious about after reading this, and then after reading uh, those ex, excerpts from the Colford book about uh, you know those chapters where they where he talked about how Howard was adding uh, different different markets along the way. Yes, sure. And I was curious about that compensation. Like, for instance, this the station manager that told Jackie, oh, yeah, look, we have to pay this $250,000 fee, bottom line. Like, who does the two fifty go to? Does it go to Howard's production company? Does it go to – I guess this was back in the Infinity days or, mm-hmm. you know, the – the, the K-Rock days. So I guess it would go to infinity. I, I, and then what Howard negotiates some type of percentage out of that. So Jackie explained it to me that, uh, it went to, it was split between infinity. So karma's in obviously like infinity broadcasting half, maybe about, about half I'm assuming. And then Howard and Buckwald, Buckwald's get this 15% no matter what. 
and right. then Howard would get that. So it really was. So if it was two fifty, you got to say okay, one hundred and twenty-five to infinity, and you know one hundred and ten or whatever going, or one hundred and you know seven to, to Howard. Every new market, but then not every market was two fifty. Some of them were four, five, six, seven, up to a million, depending on the size of the market. Right. Okay. And then you read the stuff about the he got bonuses for. Literally, he could get 10,000 for a tenth of a, a point, ratings point, if he increased, you know, uh, if he got more ratings during right, every, right. every quarter or whatever. So he was totally, it was, he was totally getting money working it from everywhere. 5% of the ad revenue. Um, he got point bonus stock options. He got everything. So the, the amount of money Wiggy was making, he was never, never not comfortable. Well, right. And then it, it's funny, you know, like when he is, when he's expanding, expanding his presence, when he's adding these other markets, he's getting, you know, a percentage. He's he's making money each yep. step of the way. Yet none of the others that, again, especially the ones that Buk, that Buckwald represents, mm-hmm. they're not getting increased cuts, cuts on any of this stuff. No, and that was Jackie's argument. He said, because right. so when we have to do the negotiations, this is what he explained. Uh, uh, Tom wasn't willing to give him his, his increase. He said, you'll have to talk to Howard. I went to Howard and he told me I had to call Don. I called Don's office and they told me I had to talk to Mel. Mel told me I had to work it out with Tom and Howard, who of course referred me back to Don. <laughs> <laughs> so he had the meeting with Mel and Mel said, I'm not going to, the, the bid over five years was going to be like, oh, just over 2 million. And he goes, that's a very generous offer, but I, I want 400,000 next year and I'm firm on that figure. So then he goes, talks to Wiggy and he, he, uh, he, in his joke, he writes a, <laughs> it's a horrible joke. It's an old Jewish joke. He says, a little Jewish girl runs up to her father and says, daddy, daddy, I need $50. He says, $40. What do you need $30 for? <laughs> so anyway, that's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. So he, so he says, after a few minutes of farting around on the phone with Howard, uh, which uh, Howard said, I need you, man. I said, I'm sorry, I did my best. Tom and Mel won't budge and we're really far apart. Howard said, I got to have you. I'll pay the difference. What is it? I said, $62,500. He said, okay, come in. I'll give you the 50000 I said, 62500 He said, okay, okay, I'll give you 60000 I said, half smiling and half kidding at this point, because I knew we were both relieved and thrilled this had been fixed and the show was going to be whole again. 62500 He said, okay, 62500 Fuck you. I'll see you tomorrow (laughs) (laughs) and and you know who what what always gets me is who do you think convinced howard that he didn't need jackie like who in that universe or was it just wiggy's own ego getting out of control where he just innately believed that he was this comedic genius and he didn't need jackie um I think there's a couple things at play. I think that losing the marbles in the divorce uh, changed his opinion on like marbles in general and that he just had to hoard more than ever. And if Jackie was going to be responsible for taking them out of his pocket that time, it was the worst timing. It was just bad timing. Mm. I think, I think also they were losing markets closer to the divorce time because of the Selena controversy. And even though, um, who was the guy, um, had to meet just me too not too long ago uh the 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 guy that sued that sued him 
uh, when he left for terrestrial, when well, left for Sirius. Oh, what was his name? Les, Les Moonves. Oh, yeah, sure, Les. To, to offset the lost markets, he got Howard like nine new markets. Like he literally created those nine new markets. Do the math, guys. Another 250 by then would have been more like half a million to a million each market. And in his pocket. Just to just to offset it, like that's the kind of power Les had at the time, and but uh, he was losing markets, and it was clear the way if you listen to the archives, they were not doing as well as they had in their heyday. Like there was definitely a downslide in the ratings, or other shows like O and A were eating into their you know their ratings, so they might have been not getting bonuses like they were. And they talked about how we're not getting any raises and Jackie insisted on getting raises thinking the show was maybe bigger than it was. And, um, yeah, yeah but, yeah, but other he... than that, I can't imagine cause he wanted, basically he explained he was making 590 something thousand, 579,000 that last year. Right, right. But remember too, right around this same time. And I think Colford talked about it. Uh, he was, Wiggy was also getting that E money as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that, that's when, gosh, that that's going way back. That's when I really started religiously getting into Stern. It was uh, through the E! Show and then finding him on local radio uh, mm-hmm. because it was, on, it was on a station here in Phoenix that I didn't listen to. It was a, like a hard rock station, and I really wasn't a hard rock guy. And, mm-hmm. and I really didn't know anything about Stern until the E! Show. Right. Well, you, you're looking at the... the um... Uh, again, Colford is the Bible, unfortunately, like we, we only have it, I say, unfortunately, because it's dated, it's, it's, it's a certain point. It just doesn't become, um, it doesn't become as relevant, but, uh, on this particular page, uh, in the postscript of the paperback, he was, it says Stern was expected to earn about 12.5 million in 1995. In 95. Yeah. Can, I mean, adjust that for today. I mean, God, what would that be like? Forty million? I suppose it says here. Um, uh, okay, he was his radio work about eight million, affiliate uh, syndication, whatever. Okay, no, sorry, that includes that. I, I believe um, one point five million a year for each radio broadcast videotaped. So the E Show, um, a new contract to write a second book for Miss America, I believe that was right. an advance of three million. So you do the math. Right. And, uh, he, he, you know, he made shitloads. He must've made 3.5 million on private parts. And I'm sure he made an equal amount in the sales of Miss America. So he was fucking rolling in it. Oh yeah. And you know, one of the things from, from the excerpts from the Colford book, oh my gosh, rem- remember how he used to say, I, I forget what that Yiddish word is for, uh, like, uh, trinkets or what is it? What is it? Tchotchkes. Tchotchkes. Right. And he would say, oh, I would never uh, pawn that kind of stuff off on my audience. Yet he made a (laughs) ton of money on those videotapes that, you know, I mean, I'm I'm sure we're going to lose like half of our audience uh, because they won't (laughs) understand what videotapes are. Exactly. (laughs) But yeah, but I remember those, those, you know, the, the, um, you know, he, he was hawking those and I think they were selling them for like twenty four ninety five back in back in the I think Holford was talking about the, the, that had to be in the late 80s. So well, I've got it right here. Yeah, uh, okay. the negligee and underpants party. 
which is as bad as it sounds, guys. It says pay they did. Uh, an estimated 60,000 homes in the New York area pay, each paid nineteen ninety five to receive the special. Participating right, no. a- Participating cable systems pocketed half of the 1.2 million gross while Showcase and Howard were to split the remaining half. So it says on top of Howard's estimated $300,000 payday, far richer than any one night stand on Fox, he retained the video cassette rights and hot copies at $24.95. $24.95, that's right. <laughs> yeah, so not only did he make make the money on the pay-per-views, which were, God, remember everybody had pay-per-views back then. Oh, fuck and, yeah. Yeah, you know, like... Um, uh, new kids on the block and people like that had had uh, pay-per-views and yeah and then that, that how savvy was that he kept the rights and then was mm-hmm. hawking those stupid tapes for and then think about that 24.95 back in the late 80s that was pretty oh, pricey oh shitloads uh, shitloads of money and if he's he's getting that's all that's all gravy at that point the pay-per-view right. pay-per-view once the company has put up the money i'm sure they only get a modicum of like a certain a certain amount of money for each video cassette because at that point you're just paying for manufacturing printing um shipping whatever and how much is that really back then exactly exactly so um either way i have a bunch of uh things we're going to go through i, I want to try to get as many clips as i can in guys so um let's see if i got this right uh jackie part three we played that let's try part four they look at me like when i first came Second. they look at me like when i first came here and they won't give me more and even though i'm not heard on the air that much i make an important contribution <laughs> And Fred, you know, I'm not trying to compare myself to Fred. Hey, I don't care what Fred gets or Robin gets. It's what I want. And I don't even care about the money. Because you know me. (laughs) Okay. So, of course, uh, Wiggy, if they feel... You can you can just understand why Jackie is so fucking livid at this point. Because his negotiations are being mocked of and made fodder on the show. But Robin and Fred joining in on like at the the if they're really with Jackie if they really like him, they're uh, they they just don't mock him they don't help the mockery they don't pile on but they're all in it against him because how dare he ask for more and we don't have the balls to do it. Well, and then you know for for Wiggy to say what he said about you know oh no one no one even though no one hears him or whatever now I can't believe I'm doing the fake Jackie voice yeah. that Howard was doing. That's <laughs> annoying as hell. But anyway, right. um, yeah, for for them or for them to pile on after that, because they of all people know how important Jackie is to the show. They're the ones that are watching the notes being passed. I mm-hmm. mean, they they know it. They know how important he is. And for them to pile on, like you said, that's just gotta irk the hell out of Jackie. Mm-hmm. So the New Year's Rotten Eve, um, another yet another pay per view that Howard made a shitload on, uh, nineteen ninety four. He um, basically they were thinking about they were in the process of trying to figure this out, and then apparently Don asked Jackie to go traveling to certain markets looking for beauty show contestants like women because it would have disgusted wig to go do this of course and um he says i don't remember the details i just know don wanted me to head up these talent shirts shows in a bunch of markets for very little money of course any weekend i'd be traveling to say chicago to host one of these shows would eliminate me working that weekend for big pay or having a few needed well well needed days off as gently as i could relay it i explained to don that it wouldn't be beneficial to me needless to say he wasn't especially thrilled at me not jumping on the opportunity however after after however long, Buckwald said, let me call Howard and see what he thinks. 
He made it seem like he was dialing, then put Howard on speakerphone, and the way Howard joined the conversation made it immediately apparent he had been listening to the entire meeting that we'd been on speakerphone the entire time. And uh, this is the, I'm going to bring up the Stuttering John clip. Let me see if I got this right. Buckwald Control. Um, okay. So he was, uh, Buckwald wanted to put together a t shirt deal for Stuttering John because at one point, and this is what John's book sucks, he says, Buckwald represented me, but then suddenly he doesn't, but he doesn't explain how the split happened. <laughs> so, so he was going to do a t-shirt deal for John and he goes, why don't you get one for Robin or Howard? And Buckwell supposedly said, well, cause they're too big for that. And, uh, he, he, he Buckwell said, I work weeks on this. He said to me in his office, then he did what he usually did and turned to the phone behind him and said, I'm going to call Howard. I'm just going to, I'm just representing you as a favor to him. I said, I'll do it, Don, please don't call Howard. And he said, this is what Don did. He used my love of Howard and my fear of pissing him off against me. Oh God! Well, and this that, is, that, imagine an, imagine if he was an attorney. What kind of sh- how 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 quick would he lose his? How quick would he you know get dropped by the bar? Oh, exactly. That, I was gonna say that's <laughs> that's like a that's a, um, a like kind of a a, a a law school exam question on ethics right there. It's like you know mm-hmm. if you can't spot that issue. I mean, you you probably don't belong in law school. But yeah, I mean that's. That's a huge example of, 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 you know, like split um, someone with, with competing interests and mm-hmm. him taking one side over the other. How could you, vas- how could you justify um, treating, a p- treating one client way worse because of, for ju- for just for placating uh, Howard? Now, here's my question to you, especially in this context. Do you think this was Buckwald's idea to keep Howard didn't know, or Howard was like, look, if you're going to be my agent, I want to know what everybody else is making. Or I like, I do know what everybody else is making, but I want you to tell me everything they're doing. Yeah, I think, I mean, you know, that comes out just in, in, you know, as part of Howard's uh, love of marbles and, and just his personality and being a control freak and ADHD and OCD and everything else. He has to know this stuff. I mean, how many times in a, during these interviews does he try to get you know these celebrities to talk about how much they make or mm-hmm. you know how much how much did your dead mom leave you who was a celebrity <laughs> and all all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I think you know, and again, but that that goes into like the ethics of being an agent. I mean, yes, uh, I you would think you would hope that there would be some type of regulation, but there really isn't as far no. as, you know, like I said, without Buckwald being an attorney. I mean, if he were, if, if what's stuttering John said were true and he was able to prove that, I mean, you're right. He, you know, Buckwald would lose his law license in a heartbeat, you know, where yeah. he says, look, I'm, I'm only representing you as a favor to Howard what kind of right. crap is that. Right. And, uh, there's some, I mean, there's some great agent stories in terms of the Bernie Brillstein book. Uh, you're nobody in Hollywood unless someone wants you dead is a great, great book (laughs) where he, he, apparently he was doing negotiations for Ed O'Neill and married with married with children. Cause he's saying, he'll never fucking work again. Give him some fucking money. You know, he's screaming at, (laughs) screaming at the, uh, the, uh, the, the execs. And they say, they said, Bernie, what does he want? What the fuck does he want? (laughs) Apparently Bernie (laughs) said something like, I don't know, Billy. He goes, I I don't know, but I think I'll know it when I hear it. <laughs> so anyway, so at any rate, um, the Billy West saga is a, is a, is a one we're going to go into more detail another time. But this is 
kind of a key component to the thinking of Howard and Buckwald because Richie Wilson explained on the interview we did with him that Howard only wanted non-union workers. How Scott, the engineer managed to stay union in that, that morass of, of fucking non-union union workers is beyond me, but he wanted non-union because they wouldn't have any fucking rights. They wouldn't have anybody to back them up. So this is the, exp- the explanation as given by stuttering John, but then also by Billy, um, in several interviews, Billy left at this time cause E show was non-union and Billy was in three unions after SAG. And I think another one, uh, his agent told him that he could get thrown out of the unions for working below the union rate, which is what the show was paying him. <laughs> Go figure. Billy told me that Howard called him at home. And when Billy answered the phone, Howard said, Hey, big shot. Then when Howard s- said he couldn't understand why Billy wouldn't do the show, Billy said that it went against his unions and that he could get thrown out. Then believe it or not, Howard said something like, well, why don't you just do it until you get caught? and then it says after billy left howard was talking to robin in the studio off the air and in between commercial breaks saying something like can you believe billy left what does he think he's gonna do doesn't he realize that the only reason he gets voiceover work is because people hear him on this show oh my god (laughs) and he ended up fucking voicing space jam (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, there's loads of clips and, uh, we're going to get through some of them guys. Um, one of them is, um, okay. First before, sorry, before we get into those, I wanted to m- confirm, make it clear to people. You, I sent you the link to the serious contract, the redacted one that was in the, uh, judge Kapnick, uh, loss, the lawsuit that judge Kapnick tossed out against Sirius. Right. Mm-hmm. So it, when he got to Sirius, it was a hundred million a year plus stock options. Right. Okay. And then, so was it a situation where Sirius didn't, uh, Sirius paid Howard money, like a flat 100 million, which included production costs. And then Howard's production company paid the staff. Yes. That's, that was my understanding of it. So he knows or knew exactly how much money, you know, who got what, I mean, it, it, it was essentially like, uh, Sirius gave him a pie and mm-hmm. then he cut it up to give to, you know, his employees how he saw fit. But he did it in a way that it's not coming through his production company. He's billing Sirius. He's given the money back to Sirius to funnel into production costs for the staff. See, I, I didn't read it that way. I, I was under the impression that it went to his production company and then I thought his production company was the one that that actually shelled out shelled out the paychecks, but I don't know. That kind of doesn't that, does that run counter to Artie's whole thing when he saw Bowie's paycheck? Or do are they claiming that it had Sirius rather than one twelve on it? That's the thing. I don't recall that. And that, I was thinking about that entire uh, episode because it, what what bothered Artie is that Gary was making more than him. Right. <laughs> Slightly more. And I don't blame him. And we know from how, from years that, um, like the years in the show already when he started was making what he called a base salary. He said it was like a base, uh, in 2005 when they were leaving him and Gary both admitted that, um, some, the station had K rock had approached them to replace Howard already was going to get something like 5 million a year guaranteed for four years. 
Right. And Bowie was going to be part of the show. It was going to be like a sports or whatever. And they both turned it down stupidly. Artie could have taken one year. Uh, he could have taken the multi-year contract and done his job. And if he didn't get the ratings, they would have paid him $20 million for a year's work for not being able to get Howard's ratings. <laughs> I, I don't know, though. Can you imagine that show? That would have just been awful. Because the one thing, I mean, I love Artie. But the yeah. one thing I hate about him and it's one of the million things that I hate about Bowie is that they're both New York homers when it comes to sports. Oh, like totally. they don't. Yeah. I mean, and that would, it, it, that it got annoying on the show, but can you imagine if they oh. had a sports show together? I mean, it would be all Yankees and jets talk all the time and Mets. <laughs> <laughs> right. And the Mets. Yeah. That's like, yeah, where's the, where's a window I can jump out of. Yeah, and Ar- and already not even being a really Jersey son, he wouldn't talk about the Devils or the uh, Nets no. or anything, you know. So no. yeah, you're right. So it either it and at any rate, I'm not sure exactly because um, we'll we don't know. Like we know we only know the employees that were under 112, like being Beth and Ralph and Tony and certain other people. But Robin's not under that. Like she has a production company, but I believe Howard would have put it in such a way that. It's not coming from him, but it is like, it's coming, it's being, the money gets funneled through somewhere else so he can have plausible deniability. Well, right. But then you could also, you know, like he brought up a good point about like Robin and her having her own production company or, um, maybe, maybe these other folks or maybe Robin in particular set up, you know, S corps for tax reasons where, you know, the, the money was coming from either 112 or Sirius to her company and then she was drawing a salary from her company you know it, it could have been a, a you know it's almost like a like a shell game mm-hmm. well i'm gonna play this uh, when we interviewed jackie he said something pretty re- revelatory and i i know i've already referenced it but this is in relation to his salary and fred's salary when he left and we're going so this is 2000 yeah but you know, the, the same old thing, you know, Fred wasn't a stand-up comic and Robin wasn't a, bro- you know, this, this was a gig and this was a cherry gig. And that, that's what made my life so tough is because, you know, as we were getting better and he was making more and more money and we're getting more and more popular, I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, you know, share the pie. And meanwhile, in 40 years, I would venture a guess that Fred has never said the words, I want more. Mm-hmm. I don't think he would have ever said that to Buckwald or Howard and he just would take. And, you know, I found out when I left the show, I'm telling you, Fred worked from, you know, an hour before the show started to an hour after the show ended. And he played the commercials and did the sound effects and wrote. I mean, I, he, he literally did 10 times, if, if five times as much work as me. I would mm-hmm. walk in and sit down and take out my Sharpie. Howard start talking. I'd start writing. Howard say, "We'll see you tomorrow." I'd put down my sharpie and leave. It was mm-hmm. almost that cut and dry. And Fred worked so hard. I found out when I left, I was making almost three times as much as him, which mm-hmm. is such a fucking. And I wasn't doing all that well, but it's such a crime. So I wanted to put that in because we during our interview, people commented on a lot of things, but they left that one alone. And that was staggering to me. That means uh, and then I asked him outright, I said, can you confirm what you said that you were making three times more? He said, no, Jackie was making uh, sorry, Fred was making two hundred and fifty thousand a year in 2000. Wow. Wow. But uh, 
I don't. Then how was Fred able to afford that? Didn't he live? Doesn't he live in Connecticut? Um, I believe he's got a house in the Hamptons. Or in the yeah, but man, you can't afford though that kind of property on two hundred fifty grand a year, and especially not in New York. And mm-hmm. he's and he's not making. I mean, King Norris isn't pulling in any money. <laughs> <laughs> Their stadium gigs don't pay for the uh, for the for the equity. Well, here's right. here's the thing. I believe that I'm sure they all got a bump at Sirius. Um, and I'm so if Howard if if Fred was making two fifty in two thousand, let's say he was making, uh, let's say four hundred anywhere from I, I Mike conservatively I estimate he was making about four hundred thousand on K Rock before they left. Or maybe three fifty, and then when he got to Sirius, he probably got a bump to five, six, seven hundred thousand. And I wonder, was there the equivalent of a like a signing bonus? I'm pretty sure Howard did because and remember Howard got stock options too. Yes. Now that's not yeah. to say they all did. They did. They they may have all got a bit of stock as well. Who knows? Right. I, I'm sure Howard wasn't going to share those. And right. performance bonuses didn't apply to them. Um, so who knows, but either way, Artie was explaining when he got signed, he was a base salary and I didn't, I didn't know what that meant, except he said he got 35,000 a show for the, um, Norm show. And if he did like say 10 episodes, he was looking at three fifty a year. I believe that's probably what he was making initially to do the show. And then when he got to Sirius, eventually it, he got up to upwards of about 700,000. But here's some audio from already talking a little bit about it. Uh, let's see. Listen, I, I've said this before. If I couldn't make the money I make on the road, I might be bitching about money here. But you know what? The fact of the matter is I choose to do the road a lot and take that schedule because but honestly, you, what, out of respect for Howard, I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the guy bitching about money. Could, now, <laughs> you and I both know he should have been bitching about money. Right. Right. But I but, you know, he liked being out on the road. It was fairly lucrative for him. And, you know, he knew where to score the H in all these out of town places. So he was he was he was good to go. Sure. But at the same time, I mean, this is the so there's a couple of things that uh, that kind of go towards that. This is Vincent Pastor. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, all, all kidding aside, I mean, Artie could make fairly decent scratch on the road out of oh, sure. all of the people in the stern universe he he i would say he and jackie would be the ones to make money outside of the show because they are both comics they both have yeah. a talent outside of the show i mean Bowie doesn't have any talent <laughs> for anything you know neither <laughs> does robin <laughs> so or you know i mean I, fred i guess he has talent in uh, playing funny clips on a radio show, but that's right. limited, you know, right. but, but as far as like being able to, you know, you know, like is, is someone, someone's not going to go to a, you know, a comedy club and watch Fred do sound effects, but people will go to a comedy club and pay money to, to listen to Artie and listen to Jackie to an certain extent. So the money yeah. for Artie back in the day must've been pretty good. And, and, and maybe he just considered the Stern show gravy. It's kind of like, the, it's kind of like how Wiggy wishes AGT was. Well, yes, but uh, like by the end, Artie was making upwards of seventy, eighty thousand a stand-up gig, eighty thousand yeah. a single gig. Now that would have been great. that's 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 a seventh of his salary near the end. Now, and the thing is, 
the argument was, well, if you paid him more, wouldn't he have just spent more and would he have still gone on the road? Probably. That's, that's the, that's the sort of, that's the, that's the thing I believe, but he would have had less stress to go on the road if he got paid that extra. So if he got 1.5 million a year, I'm sure he would have cut down on a couple of gigs here and there. He, I'm sure he felt like I got to go out. The money's just there and I'm not making it here. That's what's going on in his head. Yeah. Yeah. And then maybe, you know, he's thinking too, you know, that he's less beholden to Mm -hmm. the show in a sense, you know, or, or he has more freedom. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so there's, there's a number of uh, things we're going to go into here. First of all, this one is, um, uh, going on in 2007, there was a clip. Oh no, sorry. 2004. This is a great clip, uh, about how Bowie explains (laughs) stupid Bowie explains his finances with, (laughs) with relation to stuttering John. So bear with me guys. We're gonna have to break this one up. Is there Bowie math? <laughs> Great move, by the way. I did the dumbest thing I've ever done in my whole life. I can't believe still how stupid I am. John and I, John and I, I, I represent. I Syracuse. can. John and I are up in Syracuse. <laughs> We're drinking. Okay. Yeah. And I don't know. Judge is, uh, we start talking and Tricks drinking. It's like just, Mary tricks you. Bunch of people hanging around, but right. everyone's out of the room. Just me and John. And uh, I don't know, but it's ten minutes later. He knows how much I make him. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> what an idiot. Yeah. So here we go. God, are you kidding? From from Ian Touching though. He doesn't know from You tell him that. Because John goes well, because John told me what he made. But see what John makes from here isn't really you know, it's not, not the same thing because John's got a whole bunch of other So what things. happened when you found out what Gary made? <laughs> I don't even know what Gary makes. Honestly, can I tell you this story? Our hotel rooms were adjacent to each other, but I forgot. So when I got into the room, I started screaming to Susanna. I was like, I can't believe how much he So you'll hear through the course of this, guys, that this is from 2004, January 22nd, 2004, if you're looking through the archives. And what Bowie reveals during this clip, which I'll play, is that up until a few years before, so let's say 2000, he was only making $10,000 more than Stuttering John. Stuttering John left the show in 2004 saying he made only 85000 a year. So imagine how much Bowie was making. <laughs> Jeez. The producer of this show, the producer, and Boy Gary, who was making 27000 a year as Boy Gary. Uh, not Boy Gary, like as soon as his first job after he was Boy Gary. Jesus Christ. Like, I mean, that is what you, you want to call starving your fucking staff. So do we have to, from this, do we have to extract, do we have to figure that um, Jason and Will, as like producers like KC, they were making similar money to him? Yes, but again... You know, it makes me wonder, like, Casey's another kind of example of he was popular. People would pay to see him if he went to, you know, a nightclub or or did something similar to the whole uh, Ronnie's block party type thing or, uh, you know, (laughs) posing for posing for a gay photograph. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, right. Yeah. Opening up gay clubs around this country or no, but you know, doing the stuff with, with uh, weightlifting supplements and things like yeah. that, but yeah. nobody's going to pay. And it's, so it makes me wonder how somebody like Jason can live. 
uh, Jason and Will, how they can survive just on the serious salaries. I, I think it must be more. It's got to be, you know, at least enough to eke out a living in New York City. I mean, it's got to be. Well, they you were know, younger cause... then. They were younger then. So I imagine they were even living at home and doing this like they were actually, you know, living with their folks and then getting working on the show after being you know, interns or what have you, or just callers, as, as the case may be with Will. But then you're right. Once they get to serious, maybe making a little more, let's say 50, 60, because the, the story I got was JD, for example, going from being an intern to just basically pulling clips, which is a, 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 a nothing job, 60,000 a year. Yeah. And living yeah. in New York. 60,000? Right. No way. Right. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. And then he marries a, an influencer. And that's got to that's got to increase his bottom line. So let's play the rest of the clip. I realized Carrie was next door. And I'm, I'm, so they're like, Shh. you know, what the funny thing was three, up until three years ago, John and I were probably like $10,000 apart. That right. make me nuts. Yeah. Well, that's not right. So I got, you know, I got a little raise here and there. And then, you know, Gary, John got a reduction. Gary, and by the way, I didn't bring it up. You did. I, well, I, yeah, because we're not going to talk about numbers. We just I talked right. about. But this, is what, but this is what John does. I can't believe you got him to admit that. How did you do that? Oh, it was great. Hey, John, tell them what happened. It was a moment of excellence. <laughs> and the other thing is, um, yeah, he, they're talking about, like, uh, John would have made a little more. That was when he had an air shift. I remember he was fired from his air shift on the air. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, John would be out of by lunch. He would pre-record his show, and then if he'd be home before lunch, listening to his show. <laughs> I love that. Uh, let's keep going. Uh, tell them what happened ten seconds after I told you. Uh, what? I just was already yelling at myself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Was. I go, why did I just tell you that? And I was yelling at, at myself too. <laughs> well, why would you be? Why would you be yelling at? Why would you be mad that I make what I make and you make what you make? I mean, you leave every day at eleven to go to lunch. Oh, uh, it just was. I, I you know what, Gary? I, I mean, I, I don't want to get. I don't want to. Well, I was just amazed at how much it was. Like, I didn't think it was that much. I uh, in my head when I figure out your salary, in my head it was always a lot lower. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm sure that's because he thought Jerry, Gary was just a fucking useless, just as useless a tit as he was. But John was the face of the show at one point and was uh, definitely more prominent. Uh, and would be doing the interviews and stuff like that. So I, I, I found that funny. Um, let's let's play a little more, and then I'll try to get to another clip. <laughs> so, what, so you could be off when you're telling us what everybody makes. Yeah, and, and, then, and then I figured it out. totally changed. My, the pace and I figured out exactly what John makes, and I asked him to his face, and John just got a funny smirk, and no, that's not true. So now I know it's true. We figured out. We, what happened was we got like 10 people together. We did a job. Yeah, I mean, who, what is We this? got like 10 people together. So some people know one aspect of a salary. Some people know other aspects. I know another aspect. And we all put our heads together well, and figured out what he makes. And he makes... Well, that's the thing I'm a little angry about. Probably now. even a little bit more than I make. Well, you're a little angry about that. No, no, you want No, no, no. So, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure Wiggy loves this because they're all fighting, basically. And this was right. this is when the show is still great. And it is fascinating to hear about. But there's no reason in any normal work environment where you're discussing each other's salaries <laughs> oh yeah i know i know yeah i and and uh i've done that in my personal life before talk too much about that and it's it's never good <laughs> no it's, it's not never good. yeah <laughs> i make you that like we well, guess no, 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 no but doesn't tom tell you how much all of us make no, he does. He, yeah. Yes. Tom he tells you. Yeah. And that's I know not how much right. he didn't even tell me. I know what you, he would tell you if you wanted. Right. To. And JD. And what... 
Now, there's the office manager is telling the producer what other people make. There's got to be some kind of, in union wise, that might be a big. If they were union, that would be one big fucking snafu, wouldn't it? Oh, yes, of course it would. But no, no office manager is going to do that. And then I started laughing when Howard goes, "I don't even know." It's like, of yeah. course, he knows. <laughs> you mean? Oh, you mean the uh, this? Uh, you mean this one? I have no idea what you make. Really? I, I have no idea. <laughs> I love that. And this, there's some clips actually. So there's, there's a couple more clips I'm going to go into guys. And this is about, um, uh, specifically about, uh, the, the, mostly the serious years, because in 2007, they had a discussion on the air about who can retire. Do you remember this one? From a wealthy family. Now who has more money? Uh, uh, or Fred? I would say Fred. I would imagine, I would hope it's Fred. I mean, I just know what I, I just know what I made for a long period of time. Right. And again, but you know, it's one of those weird things. You get, I guess at what Fred made, and I would hope that Fred was doing a lot better. Well, do you have Fred what Howard just described? Fred said he didn't. Do you have that? Do I have? Do I have a, uh, a million in the bank, a million cash, no. liquid to invest, <laughs> no. and a house paid off? Oh, well, of course not. No. Right. <laughs> of course, King of All Blacks is on the air. <laughs> like it's the perfect storm of like bottom feeders. Yeah, it's like so, yeah, exactly. Like who has the mowing faucets? <laughs> yeah. Well, he, he goes basically Howard's definition of, you know, you've got a million in the bank and you've got your, a million, like your house is paid off and you have a million in, let's say, um, investments. investments. Yeah. And like, you're not, you're not in Hawk. And so Bowie and Fred both said, no, we can't retire. Right. So this grunt, let's see if I got this right. Fred claims in 07 that he didn't have a million in the bank. Live the yes. rest of your life? Sure you could. So you don't think Fred has that? I thought he did. He's no got to have Oh, no. God. Fred, come on. You have I to do have not. that. You know, Fred doesn't have a bank. I do not. Fred doesn't no, have, I have a bank? A, I have a bank, and they're always looking Fred, for Fred, you money. don't have a million liquid no, and a house I, paid off. No, I do not. Get out of here. Wow. Square business. Wait, wait, hand wait, on wait. a Bible. I do not. But, Fred, when you're... I want to have your, a telethon for Fred. When you plan every year So, I, I don't know about you, but I believe Fred. I have no reason to doubt him. I do, too. I do too. And that's, that's God, that's so shocking and sad, honestly. Right. Because mo for the years and you read Reddit, Reddit's the worst place, but you go down that rabbit hole, all of a sudden you think of every, every fucking conspiracy comes to light. You know, there were, you know, <laughs> right. there were six Lee Harvey Oswalds and there were, you know, anyway. Right. Um, so the, the, a lot of people believe that, you know, Fred's making 5 million a year and Robin's making 10 million a year. Do you really think either of those two Nudniks would have stayed that long if they were making five and 10 million a year each? No, no. And, and they've all individually tried at certain points in their careers to get away from Wiggy. Mm -hmm. I I've always thought that was kind of interesting. And I think they both have just kind of given up, you know, it's like, I don't know, like maybe, <laughs> like a battered spouse or something and it's just like you know i'm just gonna i'm just gonna you know wait this guy out or wait the person out and and just go with the flow until the end you know where, where a person's like kind of resign themselves to to be in a bad relationship or something i don't know it's it's crazy but uh, but i i do think it's interesting that at, at different times they both, I mean, Robin with the with the scuttled talk show that mm -hmm. I know that you you were saying that that's like the holy grail. You wish you could get a copy of that. <laughs> totally. And then, and then Fred wasn't Fred trying to get with Lauren Michaels and be a right and trying to become a writer on SNL. That's right. Do you see the yellow highlighted portion of the screen? The the um and the the reading. Yes. 
why don't you do that reading? And then because you have such a, a lustrous voice. <laughs> All right. These kinds of beatings weren't only thrown my way. Fred told me that one of his songs on his album was a song about Howard. It was called Don't Talk Down to Me. Gary once told me that at one point Fred was so fed up with Howard's abuse that he wanted to leave the show and audition for a Saturday Night Live. <laughs> that would have been fun. Yeah, I do. I do a great. I do a great. What do you call it? Uh, what is it? Was the Nazi? Was it uh, Kurt oh, Waldheim? Oh, Kurt, Kurt Waldheim, right? Yeah, ex- exactly. Like that's that's the <laughs> that's what he's going to go in there and do characters. So uh, let's see if I got this right. Um, Bowie exposes his full unfiltered naked stupidity i gotta say i don't know why i'm so talked up about this this is the first time in 25 years listening to you guys i wanted to call in gary I, I guess i'm amazed that you are not much more much much richer than you are i mean everybody knows how much howard makes and i, I guess is, is radio that shitty a business that it can be kind of salary it can be so, okay, <laughs> started working with howard we were on in one market okay and as popular as he was, I, we were on in afternoons in one market. Then we went to K-Rock, and we were on in mornings. Just to- it, can, it can be when you work for a fucking pelican who holds on to every fucking marble. <laughs> exactly. You got a second market, the third market. But, you know, I did not deal with Howard for money. I dealt with management for money. And they sort of gave you the, you know, they sort of said flat out, well, you know, this is what it is. If you don't like it, you know, you can go somewhere. And I did. Listen, I had the opportunity. I could have said. I'm going to quit and call their bluff. But when you call somebody's bluff, you've got to be willing to go through with it. Right. And I, I always said, I said this even when we left K-Rock, that not only with me, but there's a lot of people. I'm going to, that, hold on for a second. I'm just going to, this is just a few seconds. That company benefited from giving a low salary because of their love for the job. <laughs> they benefited from people's stupidity and their inability to get better paying jobs elsewhere. That's true. I mean, right. would, Robin couldn't leave. You're right. There were, they had no outside gigs. How, so Gary was left throwing a, you know, swinging a sledgehammer onto monster truck rallies into a bumper and flying back like a, like a spider monkey with a, with a Louisville slugger. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's like they were, they're trapped. I mean, it happens, it happens to people all the time, you know, where mm-hmm. they, uh, say they stay in a job or, you know, I was making the, 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 the analogy to relationships, but, sure. but even more basic than that, like people's careers, you know, I've, I've seen people kind of age out or get to the point where they're stuck. Like they can't, uh, say give up their, for instance, like practicing law, like if they're mm-hmm. out on their own having, you know, with their own practice, but at some point they're like, you know what, I want to switch gears and go and maybe go work for the state or go work for the county. And they can't because they're too old. I mean, no one's going to, you know, come right out and say, well, look, no, we're not going to hire you because you're too old, obviously. But that's mm-hmm. what happens, you know, and, right. they, and, they've, and they've got no choice but to stay where they are and do what they do until mm-hmm. until the, the bitter end. And that's yeah. to me, that's exactly what happened to Fred Bowie and um and Robin, I mean, they mm-hmm. can't go any place else. No, and, and certainly now, but I mean, even 20, 15 years ago, there was oh, the same yeah. deal. Like, there's nowhere they're going to get the money they were getting. And not that they were worth what they got anyway, but Bowie was definitely underpaid in terms of the success of the show, just as Jackie was, just as Fred oh, was. Sure. And wouldn't sure. it have been, this is, this is, I guess, another question to you on a not ethical level, but more like a, a business business perspective does it make more sense to keep people hungry and starving and thinking oh you're like machiavelli i'm going to keep them loyal because they have nowhere else to go or does it make them uh more um 
uh, harder workers and better workers if they share in the, in the the success of the show by giving them a little extra every time there's a new market by giving them a little extra of the ad money if they you know do this or that because uh, because like if they if they don't have to worry about where their next meal's coming from they can put that effort into the show. Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. I I think it's definitely the latter and not the former. I I know personally how I would feel if I were working for somebody who, like you said, you knew they were doing well, you knew that you that you were part of that success, and that the person you were working for recognized that and gave you and 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 rewarded you accordingly you're going to be even more you know you're going to want to run through a wall for that person you know yeah you know that whole you know uh machiavelli thing shoot that to me that makes you want to plot for that person's downfall that's exactly right so this is a great clip of disgruntled fred speaking up my question's about, um, you were talking about the wrap-up show before, and Fred said his wife couldn't possibly um, answer the question as to why he feels underappreciated by Howard. So I was wondering if uh, Fred would be willing to answer that for all of us on the air. That'll be for another show. I want to come back to the wrap-up show. Okie dokie. <laughs> we'll, we'll have you back tomorrow, Fred. That could be an hour. Yeah. yeah there's, exactly. only, there's only one I'll minute. charts and graphs. We only have 155 <laughs> left. <laughs> so, <laughs> this is, that's, funny. that's funny that they all knew. They all kind of knew it wasn't like a surprise, right? Yeah. So this, so this goes into it's a, as always, guys. The wrap-up show is a wealth of information. And this is already talking about salaries and how he was shocked. I, right. So, so what about you? Are you worth two million dollars? Actually, now? I'm sorry to interrupt, but actually, he said that he said I could sell them, but then I'd be living on a bench right. somewhere. Right. The so, answer is for me, no. You're not worth. You don't have a net worth, even if you sold your house. Right. Man, I don't know. I thought you'd be worth more, man. Sorry. It's fucked up. <laughs> You're always fascinated with money I, in general. No, and... I do enjoy. I, I, I just, you know, again, because I know as a fan of this show, how, two contracts ago, I remember talking with my buddies. I bet they're all taken care of now. Okay, and, and I'm sure most of us felt the same way, especially when they right. got to serious, right? Like exactly. they're all like he's definitely gonna, you know, ante up and pay them whatever money. Well, I, I guess I always thought that all of these different kind of iterations or, or pieces of the show. Like you said, like if in the K-Rock days or the Infinity days when they were uh, syndicating the different markets or or they got a deal with they got a deal with ETV to do the show that they would, you know, spread the wealth that somebody would get, you know, that all of them would get a little piece of the of the pie coming in or mm-hmm. e- even afterwards with um you know when when they were doing the uh um um, you know, the, the Howard TV stuff, you know, that, you know, that, that again, any kind of way or anything other than, I don't know, maybe Howard doing the stupid books, but anything other than that, that they were getting stuff that was directly tied to the show that they were all sharing, at least getting a little piece of something, but right. that certainly doesn't appear to be the case. God, no. And so this is, so I guess this is really, um, like Wiggy's too stupid to have read <laughs> the Prince, and but I I think that was a Buckwald move completely, like to make sure that they're down and downtrodden. No, I I don't think Howard's that calculating. I think he's he could be that calculating, but not smart enough to think that way. Well, he's definitely greedy enough and cheap but, enough. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. 
yeah, greedy and cheap enough. But you're right. I think uh, you know Don uh, Buckwald is is was probably the motivating force there, or just telling Howard, look, man, you could just keep more of the money if we do it this way, and that's probably all that needed to be said. So here's a couple of clips, guys, talking about the cheapness, sorry, that the staff pay, and it's really incredible. So here's one that uh, Artie's talking about how 80% of the staff are broke. But I can't start booking the show based on people's economics. Do you know what I mean? But uh, no, if I do that, I then it's really tough. I know. I mean, uh, uh, 80% of the people who work here are broke. I mean, you know, what are you going to do? It's It's shitty times. So imagine you're on this fucking... Meg, this megalomaniac, megalomaniacal assholes show, and you're starving. And wouldn't you be embarrassed to have that on your 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 show? Like that, like people complaining that they're not making money, and you're making all this. Like, how bad does it make your show look? Well, yeah, and it it it, it kind of goes back or flows back into that whole discussion we just had about you know loyalty, and wouldn't you? Uh, be more beholden to somebody that you know that that spread the wealth or shared the wealth with you than you would. I mean, it's the same. It it, it kind of goes to that same thing. I mean, it's like you're right. It's embarrassing, you mm-hmm. know, uh, to to even be associated with the show, and it, it it just brings down the whole. It makes the whole entity look, you know, less classy, if you will. Right, right, and that would be my that would be my concern, especially as an employer. I would never want to be looked at as a fucking tightwad. Howard has right. no problem looking like. <laughs> okay, so here's another here's another clip. This is from Nick DiPaolo. I'm I'm a very childish person. Right. I I operate on the level of a six year old. <laughs> a very rich six year old. <laughs> well, let me tell you why. I cannot tolerate not having all the marbles. In other words, if I'm in a business, right. no one else should have success, just me. I noticed that. I tried to get a job here. It's serious. What happened? $45 a show. They I know. That's you really I do you. have all the fucking marbles. That's what I said. It's terrible. That's what Jackie said. $45 a show. Oh, my God. That's that's almost Riley Martin uh, level of pay right there. <laughs> he got more for his piss jugs. <laughs> yeah, do you, wait, if we're talking salary negotiations, you've got to have some Riley in there, right? <laughs> I'd love to. I'd love to. Well, I, I do have some clips somewhere, but it would take a while to get back. And, then, and because they're whack packers, that's a whole other. There's a wrap-up show caller that's great, and he goes through it. So, but this one is from when Artie did his show with Nick, and Nick was gone, and Vincent Pastor was on the show talking about the generosity of... Um, um, James Gandolfini. Um, uh, one of the great things about Jimmy is that he shared, you know, right. I mean, you know, I mean, I'm not going to mention no names, but when this guy that you used to work for got a raise, did he give you a piece of his raise? Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and right. I'm, I'm sure you. <laughs> but that's, that's what Jimmy did. When he got yeah. a raise, he would give us some money from his money. He, right. You know, we got chunks. <laughs> so imagine, and Artie's like flustered. He doesn't want to admit it, but he's, right. you know, he's absolutely part of it. So, um, this is a clip, uh, from the wrap up show. That's a little long, but we're going to try to get through it and then, uh, uh we'll, we'll wrap it up guys. Um, okay. this and, is oh, just, Oh, I, I was just going to say Fillmore. I I'm sure you know this story too. I mean, uh, yeah. Gandolfini rest in peace was legendary for his generosity. Uh, oh, yes. have you heard the story about, I, I think they were rapping, or uh, I think they were just wrapping a season. I don't think it was the the, the series finale, but okay. uh, he gave everyone like the entire cast and crew like Rolexes one yes. year. Oh yeah, yeah. 
I mean, yeah, and and he didn't run out of money. He didn't. He didn't. You know. You know. He died very prematurely and before his time. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but he didn't die broke. You know, and that's the thing. No. That's the thing. I you know. I guess that's why I I know my personally I'll never be rich because I I, I can't understand that level of marble hold uh, hoarding that Howard does. I I can't understand it. You know, like it, it's a pathology. You know, yeah, and I mean, I hear about how much money that you know Elon Musk and um and 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 Jeff Bezos make, and I'm like, God, how much, how much money? You know, how much can, how much do you need? I mean, you have, there's just so much. It's just you know beyond generational wealth, and it's like, you know, you can't take it with you. Look at King Tut. <laughs> no, well, he certainly tried his best. I think, right. I think his workers it was weren't his weren't his helpers uh, buried with him, and the pets were buried with him as well. <laughs> well. I know the pets were. I don't. I don't. I think they stopped doing that the 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 workers thing. But um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> what they didn't have workman's comp back then. <laughs> okay. Exactly. So, okay, so this one's uh, it's a comparison between him and Leno, and it's always a good. There's well, two clips. The first one is um, him talking about. It's. I love this one. It's. It's just so telling. At eleven thirty. But anyway, they're gonna. They're announcing today that first of all, Jay Leno's such a douchebag. He's the number one late night guy. He gets like twenty million a year. He could be getting fifty, sixty million a year, but he doesn't want it. Like that just skeeves me out and makes me think he's a bigger asshole than I've ever. You know, it's just like, oh, what is that? Like, what? Why is it you won't take more take money? The money yeah. Like, what are you? What are you trying to prove? You're. Ever- <laughs> I love oh that. Oh my god! Yeah, I, 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 I don't understand it, man. I swear to God, I don't. And 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 I know you and I have talked about Jay Leno's generosity before. And mm-hmm. and again, he's a guy that'll never run out of money. But he's also done right by people, and people love him, and people mm-hmm. would run through walls for him. But mm-hmm. nobody's going to run through a wall for Wiggy. Now, guys, we're going to go a little bit into. Um, the contract stern contract stuff because let's face it what we really want to know is what he's making and where the last bit of information that you can get online really ends that's seemingly what we think is most accurate is this fortune.com article from december 9th of 2010 and it was about the secondary contract that he got after the first serious contract and it said what howard stern's this is the name of it howard stern's 400 million dollar serious contracts means means to the street and um so the it says here this time around he seems to have had the same kind of cash deal as before just without the stock so 400 million for five years uh some of that money goes to production costs and salaries for the stern show and ultimately the figure won't be confirmed until sirius xm makes necessary regulatory filing with the sec so i want you to read uh the section down below by brett harris gabellian company and these are all analysts giving their take on the contract and this is quite interesting Right. Oh, okay. So this is from an analyst, Brett Harris of Gabellian Company. Uh, He says, I don't think Howard Stern is as important as he was five years ago, especially to Sirius, which has such a broad content lineup. But I do think Sirius wants to make sure nobody else has him, and they'd much rather have demand for Howard just just sort of peter out over the next five years than just have a big newsworthy 
Event, just, should say. Yeah, it's an yeah, event <laughs> even. that just gives people an excuse to cancel. The mm-hmm. original deal was negotiated like most of their content deals when XM and Sirius were at war with programming. Since the, since the merger in 2008, whenever a programming contract has come up for renegotiation, no matter who the talent is, they've come down significantly on the order of 50%. That's a huge drop-off, by the way. Yeah. Like, I mean... Yeah, that is. And so and, this is this is one of the last times they actually threw numbers out. More recently it's always been oh reportedly worth 120 million. There's no way in your in your learned opinion, there's no way he's making more now over the years than no, less. No, no. I I don't think so and I think this analyst is spot on. I mean, you could even look and and you have to keep in mind this is this is 2010, right? Mm-hmm. So um you know, so he's he's talking, you know, 2005 five being five years ago and five years into the future is 2015, which is, you know, six years ago. Um, so keep that in mind. But I but I think you're right. I mean, you know, I, I guarantee you that that uh, Eminem and some of these other people that got these naming rights to those stations they or channels they have on Sirius. There, mm-hmm. There's no way they're raking in as much as it as it took to originally sign them. That's right. Yeah. Um, so what about the so that, that next paragraph is where it gets interesting. Okay. And it goes on to say, when I pull a number out of the air, I'd say he goes from getting 100 million to getting 60 or 70 million, or a 30 or <laughs> again, man, this is yeah, poorly edited, it, it or a bad. 30 or 40 percent pay cut. I don't think they're going to get the 50% knockdown they got with, say, Martha Stewart, because he is the Oprah of radio. <laughs> He's fantastic, but I'll probably be, but it'll probably be significant. He's going to get a lower total number, but they're not going to disclose it because they don't want to bruise his ego. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure words have never been spoken there. Right. And right now, guys, you could cue the uh, Dan from Illinois caller who uh, busted <laughs> his balls about taking a pay cut. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. And, and, you know, I was thinking, too, about, you know, how they were they were uh, referencing uh, SEC disclosures and things like that that Sirius has to file. I yeah. bet you if you really wanted to wade into, you know, I mean, if you've ever seen a prospectus, those things are as or an annual report from a company. Those things are just as dense and mind numbing as and boring as all get out but if if you really wanted to go down the rabbit hole i bet you you could find some stuff in there uh-huh yeah but uh, okay oh i'm sorry go ahead you want me to do the last paragraph just the very last paragraph and then i'll take the next guy okay howard also probably negotiated to work a little less <laughs> no kidding he often <laughs> says oh i can't believe i'm doing this anymore i should sit at home and enjoy my money so calm so maybe he goes from four to three days which will be good for Sirius because ultimately they'll be paying him less Peter Loria and it's got a a site here Peter Loria of the Daily Beast seemed to confirm that Stern will scale back his workload some which is exactly what happened so they're right on that's right. The next uh, analyst is named Barton Crockett from Lazard Capital. Uh, and then second paragraph, it says, um, 
for Stern, it's probably important to face the world and say you didn't take a big pay cut, even though God knows he's still making enough money to pay the rent. I think from Sirius's perspective, um, trends, trend costs overall are trending down. And I think, and Howard Stern's a very big component. Historically, they've been spending $350 million a year on programming, of which $80 million in cash was Howard. I'd argue it's not a massive change, but if anything, I'd shade a little lower. We would guess that maybe one to two million subscriptions came into Sirius five years ago because of Howard Stern, and that would basically be close to a wash, <laughs> a wash, a wash with what they're paying him. If he left... And he lost all those subscriptions. You'd have to lower subscriptions, but you'd also have to lower revenues and costs, which would be close to a wash in terms of earnings. <laughs> this is worse than the things.com. <laughs> well, you know, it, it's, it's so lazy with the editing. You, so you know, oh, yeah. all they did was like, uh, all they did was, um, what is Voice it? Microsoft's, well, yeah, Microsoft's Voice spell detect. check. <laughs> and then no human eyes ever saw this until, you know. Right, because, it's, because, it's, because it is a word. It is, it, it is a word that it's still a word. But it's, not, it's not spelled incorrectly. It's just grammatically wrong. And, well, exactly. Uh, like that other in that other paragraph where I think, what was it? It was like an or instead of an of or something like right. that. Right. It's not misspelled, but it's, you know, like you said, I don't know if, if spell check probably wouldn't have, wouldn't have caught it. Uh, so yeah, because it's not misspelled, but Jesus. Yeah. So, and then, and this is, um, in reality, you wouldn't lose all those subscriptions. You'd lose a fraction of what he brought in because they've been around five years and they probably found other things they like on satellite radio. Now, I don't know that that's true. No. Uh, I do know that since then they, that's when they started forcing the shit in cars. They started getting car contracts and doing their best to shoehorn Sirius XM players into stuff and giving people free or very light, low, subscription-based memberships and then try to, you know, that's the heroin. You give them a little sample and they'll want to stay later on. But so many, how many stories have we heard of people canceling? Right. Right, exactly. And what, what do you, what do you think about, God, you could do a whole show on this, but what, what do you, in a nutshell, what do you think the future of satellite radio is, if there is one? I believe, and someone else might want to beg to, somebody might beg to differ, but um, I believe that they got Stitcher, Sirius XM paid for Pandora and Stitcher to just create a larger entity to, to be worth something more in the future for a future sale. Like if they want to get absorbed by some other conglomerate, because who really wants, <laughs> who really needs their SIM cards <laughs> to get the show? <laughs> and, um, uh, like who, who really needs th this hardware? You remember what it was like back in the early serious days. You had the fucking receiver you needed, you know, even on a clear day, you'd lose the signal. Didn't matter right. what fucking piece of shit you had. And these days, especially no one needs that. And so they have to make their money based on subscriptions. But is this, even the subscription based model is, is dying a new, like it's dying a slow death. So yeah, I was either thinking, take less yeah. money for subscriptions and try to get more volume or right. make ads worth it. But ads are never going to be worth what they were in terrestrial days. And and then there's this huge like sunk cost that they've got to to pony up to with the equipment. And I mean, not not necessarily on our end, but on their end. I mean, from what I understand about these satellite satellites, they degrade. And so. Mm -hmm. They've got to, at certain points in time, uh, shoot up new satellites to put in orbit. And as you can imagine, that ain't cheap. I mean, you know, no, getting, a ride on a, getting a ride on a rocket ship, 
you know, mm-hmm. uh, on a private rocket ship is is expensive. I mean, crazily so, especially when I mean, I was thinking about the other I, I was thinking about a couple of weeks ago when my wife and I w- uh, went to Bisbee, Arizona, which is like the, in the southeast corner of um, Arizona. And mm-hmm. there's, you know, Arizona is a, a big, a fairly big state. And there's areas where there is literally nothing. You know, there's just flat out desert. There's n- nothing for miles around. So sure. I think my wife like flipped on the radio. She's like, let's listen to some music. And I'm like, what are you talking about? There's, you know, nobody's in sight. And then I made the comment. I go, see, now is when I miss Sirius. Right. Because, you know, you could do it. But but think about it. Most people nowadays in that similar situation and, um, you know, if, if I would have been driving alone, I would have just listened to a podcast. But, you know, sure. my, my taste in podcast <laughs> and my wife's are completely different right so so uh you know i wouldn't have anything to put on but 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 yeah i mean you know it, i think satellite radio is cool with that respect but you know podcasting would be the way to go and i mean if you're in the middle of nowhere and you hadn't downloaded a podcast you're screwed but well yeah, yeah. i mean there, you, unless you want to bluetooth connect your phone to your dashboard and then even and then stream you know hopefully your data plan is good enough you're not going to get fucked at the end of the month <laughs> right. um i mean i don't know what what different phone companies offer in the states versus canada and you know in asia but uh, at any rate the, the there was an uh, one the one lone arbitron ratings done for Sirius XM was done in 2007 and this is important because a lot of people still don't even know about this and they think we're bullshitting with the numbers it says before the Sirius XM merger daily news writer David Hinckley reported that Arbitron has released its first ever ratings for XM and Sirius covering April to June of 2007 and they show that in an average week 1.225 okay one and a quarter million listeners at some point heard Stern that's the total for the week so at any given moment Stern has maybe a few hundred thousand listeners any way you look at it that's a sorry ratings number for the former terrestrial radio god now okay the number since they merged numbers went up but at the time I seem to recall if you were on XM um, and you didn't have a plan to have Stern to listen to Stern you you had to pay extra. It wasn't like right. you merged and suddenly you got a thing. You had to pay extra for that. Right. And a lot of people just wouldn't. Right. Yeah, exactly. And uh, God, I remember it's funny because you're saying 1.5 million. I, I can remember when, when I had Sirius and I, I stopped listening to Stern because I just couldn't take it anymore. Sure. Uh, post, post Artie. And I, I actually left even a little bit before Artie because it just – it was just going downhill at the time. And, you know, it's when he was getting in fights with the staff and his addiction really got the best of, got the best of them. And you could kind of tell that the, you know, the Titanic had already hit the iceberg and it was filling with water. But, mm. you know, I can, I can remember uh, sometimes going through the channels and it would land on, on Howard 100 or 101. And I would, do anything to get it off there before, you know, I was like, God, I, I don't want to be, you know, hopefully this, this click doesn't count to go toward them, but yeah, you know, yeah, it's, it's crazy. But, um, I, I don't know. I, you know, with, with those big fixed costs, I, that, that, that makes sense. They may be either being, they, they're probably doing one of two things. Either they're trying to position themselves, like you said, to be bought and mm-hmm. then maybe even get rid of, the satellite 
portion of it and just go straight up with podcasts yeah and and streaming and maybe i don't know what that would do for howard he'd he'd have to join the program some kind of way knowing him he would want to he would probably only want to stream from you know i don't know 7 a.m eastern time or 6 a.m eastern time to to nine you know like he you know stupidly does Mm -hmm. uh you know, because yeah, you know, what, what does he always say? Radio is a, um, what is what is that quote that he says is a something medium? Oh, where... so he said it, he said it's a habitual medium. Oh, <laughs> I habitual wish I... medium. <laughs> <laughs> and right. I love that. I love that. I think I put it into an intro where he goes, you know, um, he goes, if you're not five days a week morning drive, you know, then you're Shit. you're not doing your labor, you're doing your listeners yeah. a disservice, and you're not doing your job. <laughs> right. And then. I... And then I got a clip of Stuttering John saying, how about four days a week? Like, that's the same clip. He goes, nah, you can't do that. And then <laughs> immediately there's this, a clip from Sirius. He goes, uh, I'm not down with the five days a week sketch. <laughs> and then Robin goes, you can't, that would came with the deal. He goes, yeah, you know, on terrestrial, you can do five days a week. Satellite's different. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You should have mixed in that thing. He told Letterman, you know, oh yeah, we're going to work some Fridays. Don't worry about that. that. I love yeah. that clip. I and mean, that's definitely going to be part of the intro if I can, if I have enough space. I usually try to keep those under three minutes. So right. either way, um, we only had a few more clips to, to to play, guys, before we took you on to <laughs> took you to the end of this particular thing. One of these is a clip from the same um, wrap up show that we played earlier, and this is Benji. And the in the um, the context is Bob Levy. Um, just bitching and saying, look, I pay, I help these guys on the road because you guys aren't paying them enough, which is a hell of an indictment to allow on the air. And so this is a uh, Benji. One of the things that pissed I, me off the most, what the Levy said was about, I hire guys from the show. Yeah. And like, you owe me because of that. Right. That's almost like saying, you don't pay them enough. I'll pick up the slack, so you owe me. That's again. That's something that you blurt out, and it's just a dumb thing to say out loud. Because but see, you don't blurt that out. You've been obviously thinking that for a long time, and then let it out. He well, already... well, it's not like saying it, Bowie. It is saying it. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. And uh, then there's the next clip that follows. I believe it's a, a similar week, but not the exact same show. And this is Richard getting in on it. See, my guess is everybody in the back office except Gary and John Hine are sweating about Howard retiring in three years. See, that's the better. Know, see, that's I, the I better. Like, that was the original question. I'm sweating. And ga I know, I know Richard and Sal. I bet you are absolutely about what's going to happen. But yeah, at some like, what kind of in like, is, if that isn't an indictment, man? I don't know what is. Right. I mean. Jesus, I, you know, I mean, it, it couldn't have been, leave it, leave it up to Richard to just, you know, tell it like it is <laughs> some Kansas, some Kansas honesty. Yeah. Yeah. Some Midwestern honesty, just, just straightened to the point. I mean, mm -hmm. other than Bowie and Hine, you know, and how much of that, God, every time I hear about John Hine and that stupid jump the shark with a million bucks, I mean, a million dollars is a lot of money, but sure you know they make it sound like it's a hundred million well that's that that's just a number they threw out we don't know for a fact that it wasn't more because mm -hmm. back in the dot-com days i mean people were buying and selling these websites for extraordinary amounts of money um some obviously way more than others i mean the value the value <laughs> changes but does anybody go on jts anymore 
I, I was going to say, yeah, which which directly led to the second uh, recession that, you know, that really bad recession that happened because everything was just overvalued. You know, it was oh, insane. Oh, yes. yeah. oh, yeah. And then um, someone asked me, would you ever start a Robin is wrong dot com website anymore? And I go, she doesn't do the news anymore. I would, I, if the hosting wasn't too, if we got a certain amount, yeah, that'd be amazing. But you could just do it yourself. I could just collect the, uh, the, the fuck ups and put them in, uh, you know, intros. At yeah, any rate, I mean, her, oh, I was just going to say, yeah, her whole sure. role now, it's just shifted. It's, it's not, it's no longer news. She's just there to be that, uh, you know, that token in, in all sense of the word shield for Howard. That's it. Totally. And there's a, this is a great clip of a wrap-up show caller talking about Wiggy being a tightwad. So listen up. The show's going downhill fast. Well, it is, but of course we have our callers to go to. Tommy in Minnesota, <laughs> you're the first caller on the wrap-up show. Hey, guys, look, let's get off him being sick or on drugs. To me, the point is when he's not in, the show suffers dramatically. And they're talking about Artie, of course, who's, who's absent or was absent for a day and whatever. So that's right. the context. In my eyes and and uh, or ears. How do you think it's yeah. up? How do you think it suffers? Like what's missing? He's one of the best elements of the show, without a doubt. I mean, look, Howard's still the king, but I think he's slipping. A lot of the times, I'm more interested in the anecdotes Artie has. It, it bothers me when Howard talks over him and stuff. And I also like to address that. Listen, it, there's just way too much money at play. A lot of money's being generated off this show. Granted, the lion's share should go to Howard, but I think he's he's older. He's He's walking away with way too much of the money. <laughs> this guy, you imagine they got a big red flag on his number. We're going to keep going because there's another clip that we're going to play that dovetails into this. And the guy really goes into, he makes total sense um, if you want to believe the nonsense that that the Pelican goes on with in terms of his success, the rate of how many listeners he's got supposedly and how much money they're generating and blah, blah, blah. To spread the wealth and entice someone like R to stick around and not not worry so much about finding, you know, revenue from other uh, other ventures. So you it's think like it's, already, it's other people. So do you think everybody here is underpaid except for Howard? Without a doubt. When a guy can get an eighty million dollar bonus, I mean, bro, you got to take care of the people <laughs> that that are around you. I mean, it's it's just sick. I mean, well, said, he he deserves the bulk of that money, but he's he's underpaying everyone around him, and I don't know how he sleeps in that. I really don't. And that particular caller had been on many times uh, defending the back office staff in terms of how little they were making and how you can't really uh, like the the um, the old trope that, oh, you know, if everybody left tomorrow, he'd be a great interviewer. He'd be a great, you know, he, he could put anybody in there and make them you know, successful and make them funny. Well, clearly that's not happening because if you listen to the show today, it's a train wreck generally. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, come on. I mean, it, it's funny. You, t you talk about this, this, co this caller, I guarantee you he's on that, uh, uh, he's probably on that. <laughs> what, what do they call it? The red list or whatever. Red list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, uh, this next clip is also from the, this one has to do with, um, uh, I don't remember if it's the exact same time period. It might be a little later, um, but he's basically doing a, a comparison between Jay Leno and his practices versus the way Wiggy does it. Gotcha. Let's go to the phones. Tony and Hoboken, you're on the wrap-up show. 
Hey guys, I just want to ask Gary if it does come to that, and Howard, uh, you know, doesn't re up, um, would you ever consider working as producer for uh, like a douchebag like Jay, uh, Jay Leno? And, and do me a favor, keep me on the line because I have another follow up question related to that. I've said a million times that my biggest fear is, first of all, I don't know that I'm qualified to be Jay Leno's producer. I think in my mind I am, but <laughs> I don't have that much TV experience. But I've always said my worst nightmare is. Yeah, I was going to say he's not qualified to produce anything. That when this period of time comes, that I have to take what's available to me. And, you know, if I'm out of work for three months and Jay Leno's interested in having me be his producer, I'd probably do it. Because that's, you know, <laughs> you, you got to, you know, if if there's no other jobs available and that job's available, how could you turn down a job like that? So true. And and on the plus side, I mean, you know you're looking at a good uh, Christmas. Uh, <laughs> hey, I have a question related to that. I like Howard a lot. He, he's the man to give me so many years of entertainment. But can we... Okay, so before we go into this, already this guy is doing like he's got roundhouse. He's got he's getting kidney punches in because he's, oh, yeah. he's, he's 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 praising Jay Leno. He's using it as an example of something a step up that Gary would love to do. And at this point, Gary and he'll admit it. He say, "I'm always looking for work." He admits <laughs> that I'm always looking for a better gig. Well, but I don't want to leave here. He's he's caught between having to say this is the best gig in the world and I would never leave and stuff. But if the price was right, of course he would. Oh, my God. And and then, you know, talent-wise, he's only, if you want to call it producer, the only production job that I think he's qualified for would be to have on a little cap and holding a cup standing next to an organ grinder. <laughs> If any, if anybody under thirty or under fifty <laughs> no understands <reference>. that reference, <laughs> anyway, I love I love this caller because he just nails them to the floor. We have an honest yeah. discussion. I'm just curious. I mean, the show makes like eighty billion, eighty million a month cash, a billion plus per year cash. So he's on the same level of power as Leno. Why do you think he could easily afford to do Leno's thing of like a thousand per year for every? Year? You know, this speaks to the Christmas Santa pending issue. Why does he not elect to do that? It would be an infinitesimally small part of the budget of the of the profits of the show. We're talking about a billion a year in cash. First of all, it's not okay. Now the Bowie's spin skills are so bad. Whenever he said, uh, "You've known this from listening in the past," he is the worst when you confront him with actual intelligent banter. Right, because he's unintelligent. <laughs> you mean like the organ grinder would stand a better chance at arguing with this guy? Yes, yeah, okay. Luigi the organ grinder would stand a much better chance than freaking than Bowie. Okay, a billion a year in cash. It has to be how. I'll tell you how, because you guys, and the Howard can't have it both ways. He, he likes to say that, you know, the show has, uh, he's made, took the, sh he took the series subscriptions from like 600,000 to, I think you guys were at 8 million just before the merger. I'm not going to count the XM people, and I'll even take 2 million off the 8 million of the, that he took it to, because say 2 million of those people legitimately are not just. Tony, Tony, totally I'm going to stop you for a second. I know where you're going. <laughs> this is my favorite, because the guy's throwing numbers at him. He's like, look, if you, if you you did bring a million subscribers and they are bona fide stern subscribers that money has to be attributed to howard on some level there's got to be some internal um auditing system at xm and sirius to know how many listeners he has there's just no way they don't well, know right and i mean i get where the guy's coming from but i will say in in Bowie's defense in a sense <laughs> and, th and he th needs th it <laughs> yeah 
these the, the this guy's numbers are way out of whack, but I understand where he's coming from. I get the gist. And I right. also agree with you. There is no way that serious that they can't track, you know, mm-hmm. how how long somebody is on one of their channels or whatever. I mean, they they claim that they have no idea, but you, you just know that's not the truth. That's right. And the other thing is, so this guy's going on numbers that Howard has projected, and we know they're bullshit inflated numbers, but Correct. he's he's going to make the perfect argument, the logical argument that if Howard says they're this much, then this is how much money they have to be making at a bare, bare minimum, and this right. is profits. This is not coming out of his budget, so it shouldn't matter to Howard, and people should be able to share in that. Um, have you looked at, have you, Tony, hold on a second. Have you looked at our stock, Tony, Tony, have you looked at our stock lately? I hear the company. Stock, that's, a, that's, that's not a real answer because it's, it is a real fact. answer. But Howard can go into series and say, "My show is whatever your stock is value is. That's your problem, executives. The fact is, my show is producing eighty-five million in cash a month. That's a staggering number. All right. Tell, I mean, how can tell, tell, I mean we can argue the numbers back and forth, left and right, but let's just go under the assumption that Howard has a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> so, John Hine, he is the organ grinder, and he's not doing any better. Right. Exactly. Like totally missing the point. Right. Yeah. We discussed this yesterday, and I believe the no, day no, before. No, no, I think he's talking about his personal wealth. I'm not talking about that. He's no, I, okay, so the, show, so the show generates a lot of revenue. That's we, we, not even the word for it. $85 million a We got Tony. We understand you. Take a break. Take a breath. We understand. Okay, so, we, we get your point. So then why can't he say, listen, guys, I'm giving you a billion a year in cash. I want a couple hundred thousand earmarks so I can do the right thing by my staff. I mean, you can say Leto's a soulless robot or an android, but the fact is he embraces sharing his wealth with staff that he knows will never taste his lifestyle. How come? (laughs) So you know this is burning Wiggy and the limo ride back. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and he's he's spot on, and it's true. Mm-hmm. Howard doesn't want the same thing for you guys. But you're, at, you're asking two different questions. Je- Leno shares. Leno, Leno gives personally, and now you're asking why doesn't Howard go to the company? But neither one of those matters. I think we've discussed it two or three days in a row that Howard felt. I think he felt sort of burned by who was on the list, who wasn't happy with their gift, who but, 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 felt but, they were left out. We, Tony, I. We've answered right. it 50 times. I don't know how to answer it any more times. Okay, now let's stay, just stay tuned, guys. This is the cornerstone of the argument. <laughs> Let me guess. Are you going to say, what do you do for a living? <laughs> I wish. I wish. And I'm going to put that clip in there as the intro. But you know, you're not as you're answering around it. I mean, I'm, it, the, the, you keep saying you bring up issues which are not germane to Jet Leno's solution because no one would have any qualms because Scott, Scott Salem would be he'd get his amount because he's been there a long time and an intern. Tony, we just talked about this. We just talked about this yesterday. Yeah, and if you heard, if you heard, you heard the show yesterday, I'm not. I'm, I'm just not going to talk about it. Get rid of Tony, and I will answer Tony without him yelling over me. We said that inevitably, somebody's going to be pissed off about about the amount of money they get, even though he's bringing up the Jay Leno formula for how many years you've been here, somebody's still going to get pissed off. And then what they're bringing up, of course, is uh, for every year that a, a, st- a Leno staffer was at the Tonight Show, they got a $1,000 bonus um, collectively, like for Christmas. So 10 person, 10 years, they would get 10 grand. And this was all the way down the line, as long as they were still employed there, obviously. Well, yeah, and and Bowie's argument or counter argument is just stupid. Uh, not <laughs> <stock>. surprising. But, <laughs> but think about it. It's like, Let's say you work for a company, you get hired in uh, October and right. and then, you know, and you just you just started, you just started there. And then mm-hmm. Christmas comes around two months later and 
uh, the company announces, you know, oh, hey, we were giving out bonuses for people that have worked, you know, a year, a calendar year, whatever. So, sure. yeah, you got hired in October. You're not going to get a bonus. I mean, are you going to be disappointed? I mean, I guess maybe, but you're not going to be pissed. You're going to no. understand that. You know what I mean? But, yeah, yeah so – Bowie's argument about, you know, oh, everybody, everybody's just going to be pissed off with the Leno formula. Somebody's invariably going to be pissed off. That's not true. I think most people are fairly rational when it comes to, to things like that, you know. That's but, right. And the context, guys, is the Christmas gift, the Secret Santa thing, whatever. When this was when Wiggy, two years in a row, he decided, he was like, I'm not doing it for everybody. The news department's not getting anything from me. And then Penny Crone and Lisa G came in and gave him shit. And rightfully so, because you hired these people to cover you. And then he decided, well, that was a big mistake because then they were actually doing their jobs and, and finding out what his ring cost him. <laughs> and he went on like one of the, whatever QVC or something and got Beth's ring. That's, you know, that's where all everybody goes. And, um, and then finally, um, he put the kibosh on certain stories, which, which was a complete opposite from, Oh, you know, they'll have total autonomy. They can cover yeah. whatever they like freely. Yeah. My ass. Yeah. And right. then it, and then he decided, look, I buy I, for 300 people. I can't buy for another person. If he gave literally $1,000 to the entire staff, he'd still be <laughs> like it would be a, ch a drop of chump change. <laughs> no, remember that one year when he gave out, when he gave those, um, uh, those tins of popcorn that you get yeah. like at Staples, you know, yeah, it's like cheddar. <laughs> what is it? Cheddar cheese, white. <laughs> white cheddar and uh, right. uh, caramel corn or whatever. And that was, yeah, yeah, that was, that was the <laughs> gift. And, you know, and I could hear him bitching about that. 300 cans of kettle corn. Come on. <laughs> My favorite was, so there's a guy on, on eBay who's selling uh, watches like Stern show watches that Howard drew the, the, the sketch of the, uh, his face on this as part of the watch, um, face. And then like microphones as the set, the, the hour hand and the minute. Hand. Oh, God. And some of them are like guest watches, which might be, I don't know, a hundred bucks back in the day. And then there right. was one, one brand that's a little slightly higher end, but for the most part, it's just cheap shit. And then this guy's trying to offload it for thousands of dollars. <laughs> like there's somebody out there <laughs> wants the stern warehouse yes. at any rate, at any rate, his gifts have been notoriously bad on the Jackie interview. It was talked over a bit, but he explained how he was giving out swag that the company had left over cameras. Oh, right. Right. Jackie yeah. Those about, cameras. I cameras can Canon like point and shoot and uh with no bag and no cord <laughs> attached because it was a pro it was a demo. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, it was like their promo stuff that they yeah, that they were just handing out. Yeah, I remember that. That God, how how cheap can you get? How little can you value your your employees? I mean, right. and then and then you want all this, you demand all this loyalty from them. I, right. I'm telling you, I don't. We were, we were talking uh, off the air about uh, that that movie, The Death of Stalin, and this yeah. it, every time we we get into this, it reminds me of that with like Wiggy being like Stalin, and and before the the body's even cold, you know, these guys are <laughs> these guys are just heaping dirt and 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 doing whatever they can to to maneuver and. And uh, amongst it, jockey amongst themselves, but but there's no love loss for the for the dead guy. No way. And yeah. that, and just we'll keep going because it's a long clip. But either way, okay. guys, I know I know that you will enjoy this one.
Also, Leno doesn't have any kids. Howard has three kids he has to send to college. <laughs> and if you if you heard Scott Salomon here yesterday, clearly he has a firm grasp of the realities of the economy, and he explained how he's not upset over holiday gifts or parties or anything like that. So, uh, Tony, thank you for your call. Um, we tried to get through, but uh, I think uh, we've, be- we've beaten this to death over the past couple of days. Let's go to Rob in New York. Rob, you're on the wrap-up show. Hey, Gary, if the show does end in two years, can you retire? No. Not even- okay, so <laughs> that, that was an emphatic no. Like it was, there was not even a question. No, and I, I doubt that's because Gary lives so extravagantly. He, I mean, he does those concerts, but he's looking for free concert tickets, and right. he's not looking to spend that much money except once in a while. And he's not a gambler that we know of. He's not a drug addict. Yeah, it's it's you know, and again, look at where he lives. Look at look at the part of the country that they live in and mm-hmm. have to work in. And you gotta you gotta factor that in. I mean, NYC is the most expensive place to live in the United States. And I and I'll, I know that Gary's out in what somewhere Connecticut. in Connecticut, yeah. right? But it's still pricey. And you know the train, the the I don't know how he gets to work. I guess on the train and all that good stuff. But I mean, all of those costs come into being. And and he probably has a pretty. I imagine a pretty big nut with that as big as that house is. Yep. And yeah, that you know, he, he's gotta be on that treadmill and and <laughs> keep running on it. <laughs> that organ is just grinding faster and faster. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Not close. So and Fred mentioned the same thing himself. So is it fair to say that uh would get would would Howard be mad if you were out uh putting yourself out there looking for looking for other employment? Because if he's not paying your bills in two years I don't see how he can be uh, upset if you're out there looking for something else. If you can't retire in two years, you should you should be looking for something else right now. Well, I'm listen. Well, I'm I, in some ways I'm always looking in the sense that <laughs> I, talk- <laughs> I love it because you know around this time he's angling with Rob Burnett and Jimmy Kimmel and trying to get some kind of producing job way away from Wiggy. Right, and and he's boxed himself he's painted himself into a corner at this point because Mm -hmm. there are no more a-list guests no one is beating down wiggy's door they're you know less and less publicists uh for him to deal with and try to um make connections to to get that next job that's right you know and, and he wants to play like you know this persona of his is is a bumbling idiot but i think most people in the know know that that's not a facade. <laughs> they think he really is. That's not <laughs> they know he really is. <laughs> yeah, of course. Talk to people, and we always talk that I'll be done in two years. But I have to be honest with you. I don't want to leave here till it's done. Nice day. I, just don't, yeah. want, I don't want to leave here till it's done. And, and Rob, I mean, people in the people in the industry are fully aware of what's going on with this show. So if Howard does. <laughs> People in the industry don't give a flying fuck about Stern. They didn't then, and they now they still don't. What you what they when they do get these guests, I, I want to know how much of them, how much of it is finagling, and how much of it is sheer desperation in a in a pandemic. Well, you know, and I was just listening to Hine, and it and it made me think there for a second. What is it about Hine that gives him a pass? Where Buckwald has lined him up with that stupid Yankee show that he's on. He, I mean, he's on TV. 
he he knows next to nothing about baseball, but yet he you know there's probably a million guys that that would would literally kill to have that job. Yet Hine gets it, and Wiggy doesn't give him any grief about it. He doesn't you know he doesn't bust his balls like he does Gary or Ronnie or these other guys. How does he skate? Yes. Um, that's a very good question, and the truth is, I have no idea unless he there's some stream of income or whatever that he gets that or like voiceover work or something that keeps him a steady being a steady earner so buckwald's like he's in the it's somewhere in the contract you don't fuck on him or you can talk about certain things but not this but he seems to be you're right almost more protected than Bowie certainly right right i and you know Bowie talks about all the time or a lot of and some of the other guys did too Mm-hmm. Again, about this whole jump the shark thing, and even Howard has alluded to it, where they, for some reason, they they just hold that in such uh, reverence, you know. Yeah. That, oh my God, he made this money, and you know, like you said, you know how how Howard loves to have a earner, like yeah. uh, you know, like his wife Beth, and, <laughs> and how that means so much to him. So maybe, and and again, we're dealing with a seventy nine IQ, so maybe the fact that Hein. Uh, you know, it, is a known earner and, and was able to parlay a stupid website into a million or multi-million dollars yeah. gives him enough, elevates him enough where, uh, you know, Buckwald's taking him on as a full-on client and he doesn't get the guff that these other guys get. How about this? I'll throw this at you, counselor. What if he's just working for so he's working for cheap? Mm, well, yeah, maybe. <laughs> as a habit, like just enough to cover his nut. So right. that he doesn't have to dip into his jump the shithead money. And I mean, I, it, that's the only way I can figure it because he's talentless. He has no, um, I, I, he's got the personality of dead sperm. I don't know how he gets hosting jobs. I don't know how he, I don't hate him like other people have a vicious hatred towards him, but I certainly don't understand the appeal. He sounds milk toast. He sounds worse than that. He sounds like, right. <laughs> like stale, stale baguettes from, you know, the Mesozoic yeah. period. I don't get it either. I I don't, and and you're right. I don't necessarily have that 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 visceral kind of hate for him that a lot of people do. Mm. However, I understand it. I, I get where they're coming from <laughs> completely. But okay. but yeah, man, I can't. I I don't know how he gets to skate. You're not in Hein Hate Town, but you can see it without a telescope. <laughs> exactly. Okay. All right, let's continue. Make that declaration. They'll know sort of by default that Gary's available if they wanted to pursue him. Yeah, but he gets mad when uh, if Stutter and John leaves under those circumstances, a little weird. You can see it still irks Howard a little bit. Now uh, Billy West, he leaves. Now he these guys are just trying to take care of their families. If Howard can, if Howard does make this five hundred million dollars or whatever it is, a ridiculous number, uh, for as long as you and Fred have been with him, if he takes ten of that and gives you five, Fred five, that's, you could probably retire. And, and that's well, he should give Jason to Will to give one to one million to one million, million to Jason, one million to Will. Uh, no, no, no. Half a million guys, to John because he hasn't been here as long. <laughs> okay, so Bowie's de- doing his best. He's like, what's it called? <laughs> he's doing like a, he's like an octopus trying to catch a million fly balls. <laughs> <laughs> but he just can't do, he's just flopping around. I'm talking, you, you can defend them all you want, Gary. He's your but boss But you can't right tell now. somebody how to spend their money. When it's all over. If, if I didn't want to be here, I wouldn't be here. That's so not I, I, that's no, but I, I don't expect Howard to fund me for the rest of my life. <laughs> I made the deals that I made. I'm happy with what I have, and I can move on when I want to. You seem to have an issue with it. We should also get to fuck Beth every once in a while. 
if Jay Leno came knocking oh, right God. now with, with a guarantee for five years or ten years of employment at a, at a at a serious you know yearly rate, would you take it? I would. I would of course seriously consider it. When you say Howard got mad at John for leaving, Howard didn't get mad at John for leaving. Howard got mad at the way John left. <laughs> yeah, he got mad because John didn't give him the opportunity to torpedo the fucking job. Let's be honest. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I, God, did you hear that lead balloon joke that uh, Benji stuck? Benji in there about dropped. That? Yeah, I'm like, oh my God, how does that guy pull down a paycheck? That one's a whole other saga that we may not ever go into. But his what his his sister did get a sister. plug on the show. The um right. the the whatever what was it the um I don't remember what foundation, but some charitable bullshit foundation. I have the clip, and uh, one day we'll go into it. But I, I and Richie Wilson, in with all due respect to Richie, saying that Benji is brilliant. Uh, if he is, he's saving his brilliance for something else because it ain't on the fucking Howard Stern show. I love Richie, <laughs> but I, I I would not <laughs> brilliant and Benji are not two words that are uh that go together in my. My my view, I don't know. Maybe I'm alone on this one. Yeah, I I, I hear what you're saying. I mean, it, it, you know, some of these people come across and act like he's some kind of modern day Andy Kaufman, and I'm like, right. what are you guys thinking? <laughs> if by that you wish he was dead, then I agree. Uh, <laughs> let's continue. I think we all agreed that we probably could not have paid John what he got, and we would have said, you know, listen, we can't match that. You go do that. It was that John never gave anybody that opportunity. But John. Well, if he knew if he knew that you couldn't match it, why would he even bother going to you? And the other thing is, when people decide they want to move on, they don't they don't necessarily need to give their fucking employer a chance to match anything. You can decide to leave and take another job. What is this like the fucking mafia? You didn't go to. It's like the, when uh, Sonny's daughter goes to Michael in The Godfather Part Two, and it's, <laughs> I'd like to get married to Uncle Michael. <laughs> what do you what so uh you know what do you do i got a degree in fine arts how do you expect to support my niece <laughs> with a degree in fine arts <laughs> and like so it's a, and that's a whole other saga i don't mean to get into stuttering johnville we're going to eventually do that and this is one you right. called for when we started the podcast but it it, remi- it requires so many clips and such a such a long it's such a saga we have to do it, it right and we're not going to yeah. just fucking do it with one and done and that's it because there's just too much Right, right. But it, it's funny listening to Bowie just uh, tap dance around this stuff. I mean, and, and you're absolutely right. Ha- the, the, Howard, Wiggy is just pissed off that he didn't have the chance to torpedo it, to make calls and to, and to get him blackballed. But, you know, Leno probably would have hired him anyway. I mean, I think, <laughs> again, I don't want to stray too far into it either. I think after a while, uh, after actually a short time, uh, Leno figured out what he got in in in, in stuttering John, which wasn't a whole hell of a lot. It was an Edsel. It was it was, it was a spare tire for an Edsel. No, the the um the, the that that aspect of it is actually kind of interesting because we have I have a, a source, a primary not a primary source, but one that I believe is actually spot on because of the nature of this source, um and and the inner machinations of how John got that job, which John will tell you one thing in his book, and he only knows so much because he wasn't involved in the hiring he just got hired but the inner workings were actually a little more interesting and so when we get to that i think a lot of people will really find it illuminating and and right. pretty predictable Teaser. before anybody could do anything about it and we thought that for the amount of time that he'd work with us 
He should have just – there was a way to do it where he could have ended up where he was and everyone would have been happy. Well, Rob asks an interesting – no, there wasn't. No <laughs> <He> way. Went, <laughs> Leno showed – like the Tonight Show showed up Howard basically. And right. they basically, whether he, but that's the way he saw it. He didn't, he, 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 as a, as an employer, he could have went, that's great, man. You got a way you springboarded to a much better gig and I'm making all the money I need to make. So what do I care? Good. God bless you. No right. way. No, <laughs> do not get ahead. Do not get ahead. <laughs> Stay down lackey question in a roundabout way, but Leno's got this new, new show, 10 o'clock for whatever reason he wants, you know, a different producer and he, and he contacts you. How do you handle something like that at this point? Listen, Howard would be the first person to say that everybody has to explore everything that's brought to him. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. Fucking torpedo Artie's, what do you call it, um, tryout for the Late Late Show. Fucking prick. Oh, my gosh. Well, who was that producer that left to... Um... What he bicycled around the country or something like that, and Wiggy mm-hmm. just shat, shat all over him. That was the guy, uh, Stussy, I think John Stuskovich or something like that. Mm-hmm. We were gonna we're gonna make that part of a combination uh, farewell, so long farewell episode, <laughs> because he went, yeah, he went far. He was looking to um, do like some farm techniques or whatever, and it, like a, a develop some farming techniques. And actually, he's doing fairly well for himself, as far as I know. Oh, great. Yeah, and uh, but that, that's a fantastic story because they couldn't shit on him enough. Right? Yeah, yeah. You, yeah, you would have thought he, you know, stole something personally from Wiggy. I mean, it was right. It was really bad, and the guy just seemed like a, I don't know, like kind of a modern day hippie, and he just wanted to do his own thing, and right. You know, like you said, get back to nature or whatever. It's like, yeah, dude, go ahead. If that that floats your boats and you can afford it, you know, right. wonderful. Yeah. You know, he does that, too. So, of course, if he came knocking, I would listen to what he had to say. You know, we're talking about a million different things. Do I want to move to Los Angeles? Is it guaranteed for X amount of years? But if he said, I've got a five-year guaranteed guaranteed contract for X amount of dollars and the money was worth it, I'd probably go to Howard and say, i got a pretty good opportunity here. Are you, are you staying or leaving? And if he says, I don't know, I'd say I'd have to take it. If he says, I'm staying, I'd probably be less inclined to take it. And the big. So how, what kind of an idiot is Bowie to say this knowing what he knows about John and how John left? And right. knowing, knowing, yeah. knowing, that, knowing that Gary said, well, look, we're jealous of you, John. She, she told Stuttering John, we're happy for you and we're jealous. Um, but, but Gary couldn't say it. It had to be Mary Delabate to say it to John. Right. Right. And knowing how Howard Howard is. I mean, if he would have told him that there's, you know, as soon as he left the room, he would be on the phone with Buckwald with, you know, and giving him marching orders to torpedo whatever offer that was. Completely. And uh, yeah, so let's so it's for him to defend Wiggy here. I understand his position, but it makes zero sense knowing what he knows about Stuttering John. That's just my my two cents. Right. There with stuttering John is that you would go to Howard to discuss it before anything was done. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, of course, <laughs> you know, I talked to them a little bit, but I, I'd, I'd see what they were offering. Benji, how about you? If a writing gig like that came along, I like like Gary says. Any first of all, we have such a great environment here. It's it, <laughs> fuck. It, I, I it's hard to see, like. It's it's hard to imagine like a a, a more fun environment. Can I? God, I, it's not too hard, knowing what we know, Ben. Sorry, you're you're just as bad in this case. Um, and the thing is, I do believe that Benji is smart enough to know that they're full of shit, and that he and like him, 
he, I understand him being foxy about this, mm-hmm. you know, being a little cagey. Gary just seems like, um, <laughs> Stockholm syndrome, like battered woman syndrome. <laughs> like I got to defend him. Got to defend him. Got to defend him. Benji. It seems it comes across more, uh, calculated, which I totally understand playing the game. <laughs> with, yeah. With Bowie, yep. Bowie, he's playing the game, but it's fear based. It's not based on, uh, look, I know it doesn't, it doesn't sound like he really knows. Right. What... But I, I, I think too, that Benji, like his sister is connected. So yeah. I think Benji for being the hack that he is, he will always probably land on his feet because of his sister's connections. I Bowie, suppose. on the other hand, he's got nothing. He's got no. nothing. Yeah. Absolutely and... nothing. <laughs> <laughs> he can get like Springsteen cover band tickets, maybe, and <laughs> the bad Badlands will come on the show. Howard, are you interested? Can I jump yeah, on I that? Mean... For, okay, look, Benji. We love Benji to death. He, you know, he dresses the way he wants when he comes in. That's he, what, yeah. He I... sort of has, you know, there's rules, but in a way, there's no rules. So if Benji goes to work on a more structured show, it's going to be different. You're going to be asked. I can't imagine, unless I have as much independence as I do here, like not working for myself. Well, hence, bring in Marcy Turk, and all of a sudden that's gone, and you're still there. Right. So I'm not going to play the rest of that clip because it goes quite a long way, but this last one I'm going to play is really one of those. I mean, we played earlier one of the Jay Leno bitching clips that he did. But in 2012, here's another article. I'll send you the link. This article from the BBC um, talks about the pay cut that Jay Leno made in 2012 to pay the, uh, the staffers that were, whose jobs were threatened. So what happened was, of course, this is the Conan O'Brien fracas where they paid Conan off when they switched the times of the shows and gave Conan the tonight show and then <laughs> put Leno on earlier, which was just a stupid boneheaded move. Right. Um, so it says here, uh, us, TV host Jay Leno has taken a pay cut to save the jobs of other members of staff working on the popular late night show talk show, The Tonight Show. Some 20 staff reportedly lost jobs on Friday as broadcaster NBC moves to reduce the show's costs. What I'm sure happened was they lost all kinds of sponsors in the interim through Conan's show and didn't get them back. So, yeah, they in order to make the same profits, they were going to have to cut salaries or get other um, ad revenue, which... You know, the short-term solution, of course, what are execs going to do? Fuck you, you're fired. Right, exactly. So it's said here, Jay's foremost concern is for the wonderful people who work with him at The Tonight Show, said Bruce Bobbins, a spokesman for Leno. He, reports suggest his salary will drop by more than $5 million to $20 million. Uh, What he did was necessary to ensure their well-being, said Mr. Bobbins. Um, it said, reports suggest his annual pay will now be closer to $20 million. He reportedly brings home another 15 to $20 million annually through annually through personal appearances as a stand-up that brings us into the wiggy um <laughs> the wiggy uh like rant about uh you know leno so let's see if i can find it here what happened with jay leno can you explain that to me of course me? you want the truth yeah it's all horseshit okay it's, bullshit. it's a smoke screen <laughs> explain please all right well all right this the newspaper story you read is that when Jay Leno was on, uh, when they moved his show to prime time, they increased the budget because it was a prime time show. Then he went back to late night and he brought all those people with him. 
And um, now the the context is also, by the way, like he he's getting it all wrong. Like he's he's right. he's, he's you'll listen to him. He's this is where he shows you guys were asking why do we call him seventy nine? Well, this is one of those myriad of reasons. <laughs> Just wait, you know, because of uh, ratings and revenue. NBC decided to cut his budget. And so they fired 20 people on The Tonight Show. Oh. And Jay, because he's such a great fucking guy, decided to take a pay cut so that he could keep some people's jobs. All right. So now when I read that. Yeah, that's horrible. Here's the truth. Yeah. All right. Tell me what it really means. Okay. Here's what it really means. (laughs) So, Carrie, predict it. What does it really mean? Shoot, I something just completely non-logical. I mean, yeah, how horrible it is for some for for somebody to to sacrifice a little to help other people. You know, th- that's horrific. Well, this is the thing I don't understand because I have a, we have all the thing that we're going to go into with stuttering John. So this dovetails into it a little bit. And guys, we apologize for the overlap. Why do you think he has such a like? Why do you think that Jay Leno thing is such a vicious? open gaping wound for him i i can't really explain it other than just this unhealthy obsession with marbles mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? honestly i because it doesn't make any sense any other kind of way and and that and the fact that he's a non-human and he completely doesn't understand what it is to be a a a, a normal human being i think I, I just think that most people. I don't know. I guess it's maybe how you look at how you look at people. You know, I mean, I, I I've always thought that most people are kind of inherently good and would do the right thing most of the time, mm-hmm. and and the, and it just it seems like that's just something that 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 Wiggy does just doesn't have any kind of concept of understanding. Well, part of the thing is that it 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 has it has occurred to me in the past that. Jay's response has always been amity. He's always, he never fires back. Um, He's always been just, you know, taking whatever shots and not responding, which may may have angered Howard even more because he's completely made irrelevant by Jay not mentioning him. But you'd think during this whole walking things back, like apologizing to Kathy Lee, apologizing to fucking Rosie, Ellen, all these people that he was at war with, why does does he maintain that he's still pissed off at Jay when all these people he was way more vicious to and for a lot longer? Right, but I think, I don't know, I think in Ellen and and, uh, I guess in a lesser degree Rosie but if you look at the time when he made it you know Kathy Lee Rosie and Ellen were still in positions to quote unquote help him you know what mm-hmm. I mean especially with the market that you know Buckwald told him that he's going to get that you know middle America or middle middle American female women are going to fall in love with with Wiggy I mean it's mm-hmm. just it's not going to happen I mean it's always for everything with Howard, it's always self-serving. No matter what he does, right. anything that he does, it all flows back to him. And I guess maybe he thinks that there's nothing that Jay Leno, especially now that he's off TV, there's just nothing that Jay can do for him. You know, what's Jay going to do? Like have him come and hang out with him with his vintage cars? I mean, <laughs> you know, yeah. you know what I mean? I mean, you know, what 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 reference or 
framework does Howard, uh, you know, what, what could he add to that conversation? Nothing. Well, you know, like he had a feud with Jerry Seinfeld for a long time. Then Jerry Seinfeld, whatever, confronted him and just, you know, whatever they made up. Um, but I don't think it was being making up. I think it was a matter of, um, I, I'm not quite sure either way. The other commonality is Ellen's an asshole. Like she's an, a notorious asshole in show business. And, Rosie and O'Donnell fake. and and, and Rosie o, and Rosie O'Donnell's reputation is mud. If True. you, if you read behind the lines and between the lines, Jay Leno generally has a good reputation. Is it because he's not dirty enough to be with a wig? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? That's a, that's a very good point because I think all of the people that you named, you know, a lot of them come across as fake and yeah. and self centered, and so maybe to a certain degree, Wiggy understands them more. Like mm-hmm. like Jay Leno baffles him because you know he makes all he makes a lot of money, and yet he shares the wealth and he spreads the wealth, and he's not an a hole, right? And, you know, and that completely just baffles him. You know, I, I think on a you, you bring up a really good point. On certain levels, he understands a Kathy Lee. He understands an Ellen and mm-hmm. understands a Roseanne or a, a Rosie O'Donnell, excuse me. But yeah, yeah so yeah, that maybe that's that maybe that's part of it. Because Jerry Seinfeld, for all his, you know, his, you know, the way he carries himself, he's also a bit of a dick. I mean, he fucked around on a married woman with a married couple's wife, and she dumped her, I think, fiance. I don't remember if they were married. But maybe she was married at the time. No, and she, she was, she was, um, oh, I remember that story at the gym and all that yes. stuff. Yeah, I think she ditched, she was literally getting ready to marry the guy and yes. ditched him. Because, ditched him at the uh, altar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, more or less ditched them at the altar. No, but you're you're right. I mean, if you I, I listen religiously to Gilbert Gottfried's podcast, yeah, and he gets his digs in on Jerry, and they're all you know they're always funny and 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 uh, you know and and then they're never they're never anything vicious at all. But you can kind of read between the lines and and see. I think because you know uh, Gilbert has a really good impression of Jerry. Uh, yeah, cherry impression. <laughs> right. And he was saying that, you know, like he has this story that he always tells that, you know, he was doing that at the club before they, Jer- before Seinfeld was anybody. Oh, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and the you know, the, the wait staff and the bartenders are like just bowling over with laughter. And then yeah. Jerry's like, you know, what's so funny? You know, whatever. It doesn't and, even and, sound like me. Yeah, it doesn't even sound like me. Yeah, so you know, like the guy can't even poke fun at himself, you know. And you know, I've loved Gilbert ever since I heard the story someone told where he did the entire rock opera as Tommy in the voice of Jerry Lewis as the Nutty Professor <laughs> <laughs> once on stage, the entire the entire album. So oh, we'll continue. We'll continue this clip, and then we'll try to wrap it up. All right, you can take this to the bank. Jay Leno is a scumbag. (laughs) That's what that means. He's a spineless maggot. Jay wanted to cut staff. He's embarrassed to do it. He doesn't want to come off like a bad guy. So NBC took the hit for him because, you know, it's just a corporation. And so they came up with this thing with him like, oh, we'll just say, look, this makes no sense. If Jay Leno wanted to cut staff, he would have fucking cut staff. You stole the words right out of my mouth. I'm like, that that doesn't none of that made any sense. 
like if he wanted to say if he was logic if he was smart he would have said he did cut the staff hate didn't want didn't like the bad press so concocted this story that nbc wanted to cut them then took a pay cut to hire him back so that he would you know gave gain some face but he doesn't say that <laughs> right he's, he not, he's not smart enough to put no. that together no and he's blinded by his hatred of jay so ultimately right. you know when you when you are at a in a rage you're not going to think clearly and certainly not fucking 79 i think we might start have to call him 69 from now on because it's just <laughs> i'm getting dumber listening to him <laughs> right <laughs> We're cutting the budget. Did he cut any budget? The fucking Tonight Show makes plenty of money. Yeah, I couldn't understand. I said, this is no. the, the top-rated late-night show. Jay, Jay wanted to get rid of some people, and he's, he's he just can't do it. He's just like he doesn't want to fire anybody. So now NBC fired them, and because he was forced on him, and I guarantee you, look, how much, he's like Mitt Romney, won't release his tax returns. <laughs> Show me how much fucking money you took out right, of your son. Never... Oh, for fuck's sake, don't go down that road, Wig. You're the one that ran for governor and claimed you didn't want to disclose your fucking, your income. When you did, all you had to do was say, I make more than 250000 which in the mid early 90s, mid 90s was clearly the case. Right. So anyway, I don't want to go too much further into that because that's a 10 minute clip and we've done a lot so far. So um, the last minute, last clip I want to <laughs> go through is I want you to hear this one. Have you heard this about the son of the beach residuals? <laughs> no, no, and I, I'd love to because I, I, I will make an admission now and I, I feel bad really in saying this, but <laughs> this is the God's honest truth. I actually liked son of the beach. I thought it was oh. Man, this this is this is like an AA meeting. <laughs> I know. <laughs> okay, yeah, well, my this is Terry, and I'm a Son of the Beach fan. <laughs> exactly. So, what well, we this is Lisa G. We got to thank Lisa G. for this one. All right. All right, go ahead. Anything else, Lisa? Yes, five long years after Son of the Beach Volume 1 was released on DVD comes the announcement that the remaining 21 episodes will be released on November 11th. No, please, I don't get paid a dime for that. Don't promote that. <laughs> oh, horseshit. I love that. Fuck that. Really? Yeah. The yeah, series really. from the Howard Stern Production How Company. Get paid? I don't know, because they signed a shit deal just so I could get into that producing stuff. Uh-huh. But uh, I don't That's get paid. That's the worst production deal ever. It, this is the funny part. It says the Howard. You go to Wikipedia, and it's not the. That's not the Britannica guys. It's not the the, the be all and end all of. It's not like the Oracle of Delphi, where you get the world's knowledge. But um, it, you type it, it, on the side of Son of the Beach. It says the Howard Stern Production Company. Then you click on, and there's just takes you to Howard Stern's page, but there is no production company in there. <laughs> And so what it was, was he signed for other people to put up the money to do the show. And he took almost zero hit just to say he was a producer and they, everybody else foot, foot the bills. And he was, remember at the time he was plugging it like crazy, right? As right. if he had a stake in it. And God, but that is a pretty horrible, that is a pretty stupid. I can't believe Buckwald had him sign that. He was afraid to lose money. Like if they were like, it's like if you want ownership and you wanted to like create a creator credit of it, whatever, but he didn't create it. That's the whole point. He, other people created it. It was put forward through his production company. FX took the, like the hit and Fox, I believe may have had a little bit, I think Fox and FX, if I'm not mm. mistaken. And so they were the ones who took the responsibility for it and all he did was brag about it. So it was really one of those things like Elvis getting FBI credentials from Nixon, <laughs> even though well, he didn't like go to school to be an FBI agent. Well, well you, may, you make a good point. I mean, 
you have you know you don't get the reward if you don't do the risk i mean they you're probably right they buckwall probably probably presented them with a deal where it's like look howard wants x amount of money and they were like okay we'll give him that but that's it he gets nothing else and they and they probably just took that because he wanted he wanted to say i'm a producer right (laughs) just like i'm a rock dj Right. Oh yeah, I'm a, oh, yeah, I'm Robert Plant. <laughs> Look, I'm a rock DJ. Exactly. Um, well, the other thing is, and I thought about this real, real recently. Um, in the Colford book, and I'll try to put up the uh, what's it called the uh, the the screen cap. Don Buckwald and Howard always insisted on money up front when they got into later years. When like when they started getting really popular, so it was right. like, no, no, you're not going to give us. Uh, it, it, we're going to try to get away from needing ratings to get money. We want the money up front guaranteed and it's your business. If you, we don't make a profit, that's on you, not me because, right. and the ultimate expression of that was the serious contracts. Don't make me beholden to a fucking advertiser or ratings because I, I can't guarantee anything because I'm afraid. And that's ultimately the, 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 the ideas of someone who's inherently has no confidence in themselves. Well, well, true. And then the way, you know, the way um, TV and movie production and things like like that goes, I mean, you know, these guys are, you know, they have projects and they're looking for funding and, you know, it's like a risk reward type of thing. You know, you put up the money and you own a piece of it. And if it becomes successful, you get your money back and you get a, a piece of the profits. And so... You know, and, and that just and that concept, like you said, just seems lost on Wiggy. In that he, no matter what it is, he won't take risk. You know, no, he he refuses to. And there's one last clip. I'll see if I can find it because it's about private parts, and this dovetails into that because some caller called in and asked him about um, the total, uh, and I think I put it in the. Um, uh, what's it called? <laughs> put it in the uh, coverage we did with um, the breakdown of the movie that we did with Benjamin. But I want you to hear this because he goes, I didn't get a piece of it. <laughs> what, did, uh, what did private parts total out at? You never ever gave the figure. I gave it 20 sure. times. It's a $85 million. That's what it did? Yeah. That's good. I'm a big fan. I just, oh, I shut it. up. And I didn't get the <laughs> $85 million yet. <laughs> he thinks that's in your pocket. Yeah. All right. All right. <laughs> Didn't put up the money, wants all the money for it. He's pissed off he didn't get it because it was his life story. (laughs) Oh, fuck. And he lied about the profits, too. But you guys, if you've already heard that episode, you know that already. And you you know the the, the ins and outs of it, especially the after after effects. So the aftermath, rather. So any closing thoughts before we we, uh, wrap this up, dude? Oh, man. It's, uh, yeah, not really. (laughs) <laughs> i think we we you've said it all <laughs> all right guys we hope you have enjoyed this thank you carrie so much for being a part of this this is a two-day recording i hope it doesn't sound like it guys sometimes the audio levels can get a little dodgy but um we're going to come back at you at in the future with another radio karate guys by the way now that carrie has got his his uh acoustic settled and uh we're going to be back with daryl and uh <laughs> daryl and wayne <laughs> and hopefully Sean will get it together because uh, I haven't uh, I haven't I haven't rallied the troops just in in, in quite a long while. So now that oh, we can man. do it, we'll try yeah. to get one on. Are you up for it'd that? Be, yeah, man, it'd be great to have the gang back together. 
Yeah. So we'll get on that one. And the theme for the Radio Karate is going to be uh, unworthy Oscar winners. And that <laughs> applies across the board. And perfect timing because we just had an Oscar ceremony that nobody gave a flying fuck about. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. So anyway, thanks so much, brother. Appreciate it. All right. No problem. So many of these people, almost all of them that we see are so poor and they are so black. And this is going to raise lots of questions for people who are They're watching so the story. So black. If they had been less black, <laughs> you know what, Halle Berry causes many problems. Halle Berry would have survived. Right. <laughs> Why couldn't we have a, a town full of Halle Berry? Look at how goddamn black they are. <laughs>